This is the Revoltage Podcast, and I'm excited to say that today, Osito's not here. He's gone. He's dead. Uh, he's gone up into the big wrestling ring in the sky, and instead we've replaced him with uh, a special guest, Sandra Ruth from Inside the Ropes. Uh, she's also part of the Queen Street Posse, uh, the podcast there, and she is a expert on you know the WWE side of things, the retro side, a little bit of NXT, I believe, mixed up in there. So this is kind of cool because we're going to get like an outsider's perspective on Wrestle Kingdom. We actually watched it together and we're uh, messaging each other back and forth the whole time. So, uh, Sandra, say hello. Hello. It's great to be here. Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom is definitely not my area of expertise. I watch I watch NXT and AEW every week and like kind of dip into Raw and SmackDown and whatnot. So it's kind of fun to just like watch another promotion just watch something different people are gonna think i murdered kellen i oh. murdered kellen <laughs> just for the record i was the one that murdered kellen yeah obviously we had a we had a blood pact and kellen was like if anybody's gonna murder me it better be you and i was well, like Brother. obviously you've been close for so long right. it just wouldn't feel right if i were the one to murder kellen yeah um, he actually watched me and i watched him as the life left his eyes so it was, <laughs> was kind of romantic i'm glad you could share that moment <laughs> So yeah, so this is uh, this is going to be a fun little podcast. Uh, Kellen isn't here, but Sandra just is going to have such a unique take on all of this. Um, you know, I don't expect her to know all the different wrestlers and all the moves and everything. In fact, we'll good because I just, won't. <laughs> we'll probably just brush over certain matches that might have been forgettable. But um, yeah, I, you know, main events we'll definitely be able to talk about, and she's got some favorites in New Japan, regardless. So um, we'll talk about some of those things. But um, yeah, how is uh, how's WWE doing, Sandra? How's uh, I mean, also WWE how's AEW? Is, it's it's still there. Um, WWE's hanging around. Actually, like some some of WWE has been really good. Like lately, Roman Reigns has just been incredible That's on crazy. SmackDown. Like I've been loving what he does, which is crazy, right? Like two years ago, would you have imagined that I'd be like singing the praises of Roman Reigns, top heel in the company, who's just like taken the world by storm? I would never have thought so. Um, I would be calling you a. I would be calling you a stupid mark right now. Uh, yeah. two years ago. But so what's explain it. Explain to me in like five sentences or less, uh, what is making Roman Reigns so uh valuable right now? So um I mean he has Paul Heyman as his, I think, counsel, which is very fun. But like Roman does most of the talking. So Paul mm -hmm. Heyman is there to just react in the background. But he's just he's he's taken on this mantle of tribal chief, head of the table, like having Jay Uso be his like servant kind of. Like it's the whole thing, like it has a lot of family drama to it. And he's mm. just like, he has come into his own. His promos are killer. His look is killer. He's his wrestling okay. is amazing. Let's talk about the look real quick. Uh, his, he, his he looks, shiny, shiny teeth. Yes. Like he looks <laughs> like a different human being. Yeah, he like, does. He just grew out his beard a little more. Uh -huh. And then he got like chiclets for teeth. Yeah. And like it, he looks like a different person. Like and when I see incredible. him, I don't see Roman Reigns. I see. And now he wrestles without a shirt, which I feel like has been stolen from us for so long. Why didn't he do that? He. I don't know. He's gorgeous. Everybody said that it was like he was hiding a gut or something like that. There is no gut. There are only muscles and they yeah. are beautiful. That doesn't make any sense to me. He, he looks great. Um, interesting. What about AEW? Yeah, AEW is great, too. Um, I'm very biased toward the the Brody Lee tribute show that they did. I thought it was just one of the most brilliant episodes of wrestling I've ever seen. I thought it was low. Did you watch it? Oh my gosh, yes. Um Yeah. 
I like I cried for towards the end. I, all of it. I was just cutting onions the whole time. My allergies yep. were acting up. My eyes, My were, eyes sweaty. were very sweaty that day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but brutal. Um, no, it's it, it, it was just so lovely. And I think AEW has such a different feel to WWE. They're proving that like some of the some of the indie shit can kind of work on a bigger stage, right? right. Like. Well, I've Having always, someone like Orange Cassidy be as prominent as Orange Cassidy is isn't a surprise to me because I've been an Orange Cassidy fan for so long. But like, it's great to see him work on a world scale, and it's it's been so much fun to see other people fall in love with him. And now, you know, Eddie Kingston's killing it on AEW, and people are like, "Wow, this guy's really good. Where's he been?" And it's like, that's what we've been saying for so long. <laughs> you need to watch right. Eddie Kingston, you know. Well, and I always feel so bad for like dogpiling on WWE at, on this podcast because we're we're highly critical of it. But I uh, mean, sometimes it's bad, but right <laughs> now it's not. Right now it's not as bad. Like right, but they go something- back and forth. Something that I've just always had a really hard time with on on specifically watching WWE is one the camera work. It's well because it's awful, right? And as well, a especially filmmaker, for you, like yeah. your job is to do camera things. Right. So it's so I watch it. I'm just like, why? No, no. Like it, it takes me out of the match uh-huh. when you know you got all the zooms or the 15 cuts and all that stuff. Um, but also the other side of this, and I think we were we might have even said this on the the previous podcast that we haven't made live yet as of this recording but i think we said that the when you're watching wwe all too often it feels like you're watching people pretend to be wrestling like Mm -hmm. it's 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 almost fueled by you know uh, a committee behind the doors and everything just feels like they're going through the motions of whatever that committee's trying to push whether it's oh no it doesn't feel as organic and authentic i think AEW has a lot more of that right um i think nxt has more of that too agreed because nxt kind of has harnessed a lot of the some of the chaos of the attitude era that worked um and i mean like i watch attitude era stuff every week for my job as well so do they have brawn panty matches uh no thankfully oh i mean yeah yeah that would be terrible (laughs) look we have shotzi blackheart and io shirai looking phenomenal we don't need them Shouts in brawn panties like hey, you don't need them in brawn i don't need them in brawn panties because they look so hot like to begin with like so shotsy's my hall pass she's my hall pass <laughs> and my and my friend dimitri alexandrov would uh, Rhea be too much like fucking yourself is that the problem <laughs> it would be no you know that, and i call her lady is, logan right isn't it just masturbation at that point though so it yeah. doesn't count <laughs> So what's funny is uh, my friend Dmitry Alexandrov um, knows Shotzi, and every time she comes up on the screen or something like that, I'm always like, "Oh, I love Shotzi. She's like so cute and like such a badass." And he's always like, "This is weird, dude. Like I know her in real life. It is weird when you like know them as humans." <laughs> yeah. As for me, she's just this like amazing icon. Like in her in his perspective, she's like a human being. In my perspective, uh-huh. she's like a goddess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a, also a weird point is that there's such, you know, great female wrestlers now and they have such a grand stage to put on these really cool, actual like wrestling matches and do these huge stunts. And it's no longer just yeah, somebody a, should tell AEW that. Well, that even in the AEW compared to New Japan, like yeah, New Japan has three women wrestlers in it right now. They've got uh, Re- Mio, which is uh, Tai Chi's, you know, valet. Uh, they've got Muffinass, who is Peter, and uh, she is the Bullet Club slut. 
And I can say slut because she is literally supposed to be like. Didn't the, she used the, to be with Tai Chi? Uh, so no, that's so two different people. Am I confusing people? No, you're you're correct. Mio was with Tai Chi, and Peter Muffinass is with um, Bullet Club, uh, Tokyo Pimp. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, and then they've just now added uh, B Priestley, but they're just usually there for shenanigans. They're not really. They're definitely not wrestlers, which is sad because B can actually. Uh, wrestle so mm-hmm. um as as held back as AEW female wrestlers are they are light years ahead <laughs> well because they new have Japan's. a women's division mm-hmm. right like whereas new japan doesn't yeah they just have you know they just expect girls. like people wrestling you know all the other promotions and whatnot which is you know like that's it's okay yeah um well and what's sad too is there's they actually have stardom now so well stardom, yeah new japan bought stardom and they put on like dark shows, but they just don't utilize them. In... Well, and are there like network rights for why they can't broadcast Stardom so. if they bought Stardom? Like that's what I'm kind of confused about. I was wondering if you knew something about that because the you know the dark match or the pre-show on night two, I believe, was Stardom yeah. matches, right? And we didn't get to see those. Correct, and it's so sad. Like, and I do believe it has something to do with broadcast rights because the night one started at one a.m. our time. Night two started mm-hmm. at 2 a.m. So it's not like they couldn't like just hit record an hour earlier. There's something there that is um, blocking that. So hopefully mm-hmm. I would love to in the future see some kind of it. But it's also Japan is all about like tradition and history and all of that. So um, I don't know. I could I could see the the women wrestlers never getting a shot in New Japan specifically because mm-hmm. of well, this has always been a guy's promotion and it's always going to be a guy's promotion. I don't know. It's They don't have the same progressive forward thinking, uh, but it's also not in a disrespectful way either. Sometimes it's more just the, the focus is in the wrong place. You know, mm-hmm. this is the guy's show and that's the girl's show. And they not- have more women's promotions over there than they do here. I mean, like, there are women's promotions here, right. but not really on like a grand stage. Correct. Yeah. Joshi's are amazing, though. I, I want to mm-hmm. see all the a- Asian ladies wrestle because they're so good. They're so tiny and so good. Yeah, no, they're amazing. I know Kyrie Sane actually was trying to be able to make a stardom appearance, but WWE was kind of like, mm, maybe no. <laughs> That's funny. Um, cool. Do you before we jump into Wrestle Kingdom, do you want to did, did we already show your um do you call it your social handles? Yeah, so I think that might have been on the one that didn't record. Oh, what, <laughs> are, you, what are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> we totally nailed this first try. Yeah, one hundred percent. This is the first time we're starting this podcast and not would the same. Never same. make we, such we, a mistake. <laughs> I think we covered it well. I think um, the ghost of Kellen came in and actually stopped the recording out of jealousy. I blame Mustafa Ali. He's the hacker. Uh, (laughs) The one that nobody saw coming. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at Sandra Ruth ITR on Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'm just at Sandra Ruth. I would love to be at Sandra Ruth on both platforms, but at Sandra Ruth was taken on Twitter in 2011 by someone called Sandra Allison, who has never tweeted once. And I'm pretty salty about it. Um, Oh, we can we can get Mustafa to hack her and post nudes and then she can get kicked off. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Actually, you can post Uh, nudes on Twitter. You can post nudes on Twitter, though. Yeah, like it's full porn. It's it's (laughs) fine on twitter um every once in a while porn bots will like tag me or add me or whatever and like i click on them and i'm oh okay that's definitely a penis girl Um, oh what's up boy (laughs) well it's usually like a penis going into a vagina like oh it's it's inclusive sex happening it's all the all the the parties all the genitals just all together (laughs) um beautiful cornucopia (laughs) 
You won't find genitals on my social media. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to follow Inside the Ropes, where you also won't find genitals, uh, it's at Inside <laughs> underscore the ropes on both Twitter and Instagram. Cool. And then um, also check her out on the Queen Street Posse podcast as well. Yeah. So that's also on the Inside the Ropes feed. If you just subscribe to the Inside the Ropes podcast, um, you'll get like there's a new podcast that go out every day on that network. But Queen Street Posse comes out every Wednesday. Do Wednesday it. mornings here. I think it's like 10 a.m. Central is when it comes out. Do I'm it. still getting used Follow to Central her. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is actually pretty funny, too. Um, you've been across the country from us for so long. And now that uh-huh. you're here, it's like, hey, we can podcast through Discord. <laughs> I know. It's like, I'm closer. <laughs> like, I am closer. <laughs> One day I will see your face again. <laughs> COVID can eat the biggest bag of dicks. Um, <laughs> actually, the biggest bag of small dicks. Yeah. So it's not even fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's uh let's just jump right into to Wrestle Kingdom night 1. So um again, if you if you I I know your knowledge is uh best utilized uh, outside of New Japan, but with the New Japan Rambo, um just give me your overall thoughts on it. You know, I I personally love Rumbles. I think it's a great way to get a bunch of people exposure. Um, it, there are certainly people in this that do not deserve their own spot on the main stage. Um, so I think it's a good way to be inclusive and everybody deserves to be entering at the Tokyo Dome. I mean, these guys are putting their bodies through so much that... At the very least, they can get their five minutes uh, under the spotlights. But overall, what did you think of the Rambo? Yeah, it's fun. I love a rumble, too. I think they're a good time. Um, I I don't know who most of the people are who were in this match. Uh, so, I mean, it's really the end that I remember, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mm-hmm. don't remember a lot of the confrontations. Because I know I was really bummed when, like, Rocky Romero got out because I oh, love Rocky Romero. I, I think Rocky. he's incredible. I think the Rapunky 3K theme song is like one of the best theme songs in wrestling. Love that song so much. I just think he's supremely talented. And it was fun to see him like kind of come away from commentary and be in the match and whatnot because he's super, super good. Uh, So I was really bummed when he got eliminated and there were some other people. I'm trying to remember who that like I knew who they were. So I was bummed when they got eliminated, too. But it was I mean, the end of the match, I just thought was amazing. Right. Because other like it's different to a traditional like Royal Rumble situation because the last four were going to be in the fatal four way the next night. And 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 Yano just came in and cleaned house. Loved it. Loved it. Because (laughs) Yano is one of my very favorites in New Japan. I just think he's brilliant. I think he's hilarious. I think he's just a pure delight every time I see him on screen, every time he does his like, what face? Every (laughs) time he has his long intro that is just ever extending now that he is the king of pro wrestling. I love that Yano is the king of pro wrestling. (laughs) All of pro wrestling. That that transcends New Japan. That is the the worldwide. Yano is the king. He's not just king of the ring. He can't be bothered with a pithy king of the ring title. No, he's king of all the rings. All of you. If you just sit at home and watch pro wrestling, he's king of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I bow to my king. I bow to him. Glad. I love him. We're in I just I think Yano's a delay. And it it reminded me of um like Chikara did this angle back before, you know, when it was still a thing. Um and they had kind of a similar situation in their infinite gauntlet a couple years ago mm-hmm. where there were a bunch of like, for lack of a better term, like a bunch of jobber characters who like banded together and were eliminating everybody. And it was like, what is, you know, jawbreaker Hosue doing actually like 
doing things and insecurity Evan and all this stuff. And like, <laughs> it was, it was really cool. So they, they started eliminating everybody. And then like everybody was out of the ring by the time Ophidian entered as the last entrant mm. and just won it. Oh, like nice. by stepping into the ring and just being like, yep, <laughs> okay. I'm the last one. So this is essentially <laughs> what Yano did here was, you know, there were only three people left in the ring. He's the last entrant. He didn't even get in the ring, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't even put down all of his like props. all of his trophies and yeah. stuff. Because okay, so what's funny about Yano is um, when I first started watching New Japan, he just came out with he came out with his like kimono kind of thing, and uh-huh. he'd have a DVD like he peddled his own DVDs. Right, so go out, you know, buy my DVD. Look, and, you have to pedal merch sometimes. <clears throat> Shop.itrwrestling.com. <throat> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there you go, and he would go out and show everybody his DVD, and then he'd you know go wrestle. Well, ever so like. Every, I don't know, maybe every year, maybe every few months, he adds something new. So, like, now, then he got, like, the sash. And then he started carrying the the chair. And now he carries, like, a little spray bottle to the ring with him. And uh, he started carrying the spray bottle because I believe he couldn't spit water into the air anymore because of uh, COVID. So now he has to pretend like he sprays oh, it in really? the air. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so um, now that he's king of pro wrestling, he also has the trophy. So he comes out with this, like, it's pretty soon he's going to need a shopping cart to carry all. I was going to say, he's basically a pack mule at this <laughs> yeah. point with all of his props. Yeah. And it's just so funny. And what's the funniest thing, too, and I don't know if you know this, Sandra, but back in the day, Yano was actually, like, one of the top top guys in new japan he was like you the were top. telling me this that he was yeah. like a legit badass like yeah. he was really great and everything i mean he's still great he's still amazing but i think that just kind of shows how to how to reinvent yourself as a wrestler and extend your career right like because right. how old is yano like he's just uh, he's probably he's an in enigma his 40s. to me yeah he's probably in his four it's but it's so hard to tell with asian people they age so wonderfully that you know you would you would never guess certain people's ages over there <laughs> Yeah, no. And I mean, like, they they seem to have people wrestle a lot longer over right. there, too. Okay, he's 42, so he's not, like, old. Right. Um, But he's found this way to extend his career, right? And Cole Cabana talks about that sometimes, how his wrestling style is great because he's going to be able to wrestle for a very long time, yeah. right? Like, I mean, he'll, he'll do his moonsaults and stuff, but, like, the comedic style where yeah. you're not destroying every part of your body, Ibushi. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, you know, like it's yeah. going to extend his career and extend his longevity and extend his life probably because mm-hmm. he's not going to be, you know, like completely broken down. I think it's brilliant. And plus he just, he adds such variety to the shows. Oh, yeah. And I love that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of comedy wrestling anyway, obviously, but it's just, I think he's amazing. He's one of my very favorites and I'm so happy that he is the king of pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, I agree. I think uh, obviously as a comedic wrestler myself, it's, there's, it's just fun. Um, mm-hmm. We're all out there to have a good time, but I think it also adds a much needed variety. Um, if everything was just balls to the wall, you know, young bucks, spot monkey matches or, you know, super serious like the main event um, of Wrestle Kingdom this year. It would you'd be exhausted by the time you got to the main event and you got to have these fun matches and these comedic matches to kind of mix it up. And, you know, it when you have the when you have the fun stuff and the silly stuff, it elevates the serious stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, it makes it more fun to watch a, a show as a whole. It is funny to me because I think the outside perspective of people who don't watch New Japan is that like New Japan is all like really long matches and all really serious stuff. And 
you know, there's there's no story or there's no anything like that. And it's like there's also Yano though. Yeah, <laughs> and- yeah. You've got Yano. You get there's there's quite a few. There's there's a good two or three comedic people that are on mm-hmm. every match. I mean, Taguchi Japan. Anytime his ass falls out, I'm just on the floor. Like <laughs> I love Taguchi. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part was uh when he came out one time with just with like chicken fingers. And he stood in the <laughs> ring and he fed his entire team chicken fingers and the other team had to wait while they finished their snack That's in amazing. the ring. <laughs> so it's great. It's great. It really is. And I, I just there's definitely a place for comedy. Um, so overall, um, what did you think about the we'll just jump to the night two conclusion of the Rambo where, um, you know, we saw Yano beating his chest on, on the way out of the you know first night where he. You might have thought that he just went in and cleared out the whole ring, but no, he didn't. He didn't do a dang thing. No, he didn't um, do anything, which he, makes it so much better. Yeah, but he, he didn't earn it. He sure, he sure thought he did. Of course, um, the first night. So then the second night, you know, I thought he was just going to get his comeuppance. Um, I thought he was just going to get in the ring and just get destroyed, but that wasn't the case. What do you think about the way that one went? Yeah, I mean, like as a match, it wasn't like amazing, right? Mm-hmm. There were some spots that were a bit suspect um, oh yeah it you know like it did not feature the best and brightest of new japan wrestlers right like <laughs> wait you're telling me it. you're telling me that chase owens bad luck Bali, <laughs> bushi and yano are not like the four musketeers of <laughs> new japan i don't think that they are oh, like okay. i mean like it's not like they're bad right but it's not going right. to be like a crazy amazing like technical <laughs> classic with those gentlemen yeah. in the ring um yeah. and nor should it be necessarily but i thought you know like yano was delightful in the match i thought mm-hmm. uh chase it was chase owens and bad luck folly tried to do the finger poke of doom thing right, <laughs> right. and uh and that didn't quite work out for them like they mm-hmm. planned because oh, it's yeah. a four-way. Um, <laughs> I don't so know. Good. Like It was worth a shot, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but no, I was so happy that Yano won because I thought he was the one that obviously had the story going into it because he was the, the lazy dude from before who didn't do anything to earn right. a spot in this match. It was just timing. Um <laughs> And I mean, he held his own, right? Like he's, he's great at shenanigans. He's great at like removing a turnbuckle pad and being silly. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was tons of fun. Yeah, I agree. I was, I'm here for it. Um, That stuff is, is what makes new Japan fun. And you know, there are things that make new Japan very serious and really intense and that's okay too. But this is the fun side of things. Mm So um, I loved it. I I loved all of it. Um, you know, and I, I love that those guys got to to get their uh, moment in under the spotlights. So um, enough, enough of the Rambo. Also, I love the name Rambo. I just like saying Rambo. Rambo. It is quite nice. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about. Um, oh, here we go. Let's talk about our sweet baby boy, Hiromu Takahashi. Yes, let's. He's so <laughs> perfect. I love him so much. Like. His hair reminds me of Goth Farrah Fawcett because <laughs> when he comes out, like before it gets all messed up, right? He comes out and it's all feathered to perfection <laughs> in that like Charlie's Angels realness moment. Like we have I just to love find him. the conditioner that he uses. He's brilliant um, at everything, including hair care <laughs> and owning a cat and and, um, and just wearing having the most a jacket. extreme clothing I've ever seen. <laughs> It was Zoe Lucas on Twitter, um, who's a wrestler as well. She says that it looks like Hiromu Takahashi is a toddler who dressed himself. <laughs> and 
like a true and b i never want that to change yeah, like, never change her i think he's just he's gorgeous he wears all of the things like all of the colors uh i mean he looks like he be- he would belong on drag race i love him i just love everything about him and then he's also real good at the wrestling yeah so that's the thing is he's got such an eccentric personality but he, then he backs it up and his character i think would be obnoxious if he wasn't a good worker because mm-hmm. it would be but like we we're willing to put up with it and we're willing to actually encourage that behavior because then he's going to go in the ring and put on a match that matches that kind of crazed lunatic style. So, um, yeah, that's I'm totally cool with it. Uh, what's really cool and interesting about his outfit, by the way. So obviously I'm huge into punk rock. Uh, mm-hmm. What's hilarious is he comes out in these like basically oversized plush, you know, kaiju uh, mascot style outfit and um then he takes it off and he has like the most punk rock jacket of all of pro wrestling that's like mm-hmm. l- legit like like badass punk bands from the 80s you got like the misfits and circle jerks and it's all studded up and you're it's just so funny to see that clash of like bright colorful neon like way over the top like looks like a kid's toy and then turns into like this punk rock badass like because he is all of the things he is he's got he he casts a wide net but uh what'd you think about his match with lp I, i thought it was brilliant i thought it was amazing i loved it i constantly worry for his neck um watching Hiromu Takahashi wrestle is kind of for me like watching Daniel Bryan wrestle where I'm like you were taken away from me and now Mm -hmm. I get you back like I have you and I want to protect you and wrap you in bubble wrap and (laughs) treat you like a baby bird um, which isn't how wrestling works at all so it's just a problem you're in the wrong sport lady (laughs) exactly but you know what I mean right like yeah (laughs) but like he was almost stolen from us by virtue of not having a neck and now he seems to want to land on that neck a lot and i don't it it makes me nervous every time um i think el phantasma is also really awesome like i i am trying to remember if i've really seen him wrestle a bunch before and i'm not coming up with anything so he, he he's always someone that i've heard about and i've always like heard that he is good um he is very good like i loved this match i thought it was a great i not quite opener because we had the rainbow but it was basically the opener of the actual show show and i i loved it i thought it was really brilliant and then hiromu won and i love him oh yeah so what's interesting about this match was uh i just remember the the sheer pace of it it started off like 100 miles an hour Mm -hmm. i remember right they were like diving right off the bat i think there was two or three dives within the first like six moves of the match so they were ready to to go ham. Um, and I remember there was kind of a lull. I think I remember it had a really fast start and then it kind of chilled out and then it had a, a, a high ending. Um, <clears throat> like it was very frenetic, but I don't think it got to the point where nothing mattered. Like right. I think that they they managed to strike that balance of like, yeah, we're doing all of the moves. Like we're doing all of the things, but all of the things did still matter and it didn't yeah. start to feel like a dance to me. Correct. Like, correct. It it still felt like it had weight and urgency behind it. Yeah, and I think that lull in the middle helped that. I think that mm-hmm. you know I've I've been critical of the Bucks in the past where they'll hit each other with you know nuclear bombs or you know they go DefCon Zero right out the gate and then <clears throat> excuse me the finish becomes something so arbitrary like 
okay, the 17 Canadian destroyers off the ladders through the tables didn't finish them, but the super kick did? Like, hmm, I'm not buying it. Um, that being said, I'm a huge Young Bucks fan, but I get the their their criticism. It's, it's a fair criticism. And uh, this match, that lull kind of kept it from being way too much the entire time. Um, and then it also allowed El Fantasmo to pull off one of the coolest moves I've ever seen when he just straight walked from the turnbuckle to the center of the ropes, like no no assist whatsoever, just straight up balancing act to the middle of the ropes and then did a, did a fucking backflip off of it <clears throat> to the outside onto Hiromu while also simultaneously throwing a double too sweet in the air. <laughs> It was incredible. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah. And I've seen people like run out to the ropes in the past. I think Ray Phoenix is one that does it a lot. But what's so cool mm-hmm. about when he did that, it was so effortless. And, you know, he didn't he didn't have to balance. He didn't have to, you know, he didn't put his arms out and wiggle his way out and then like jump before he fell off. No, I felt like he could have stood on that rope for 10 minutes. It was crazy. He's just like his balance is insane and his body control is insane and his talent is insane. And like, I mean, had he not been wrestling our dear, sweet baby boy, Hiromu Takahashi, I may have cheered for that man. Um, (laughs) However, there are so few people that I would cheer against Hiromu Takahashi because Hiromu is he's just incredible. Right. Like, what did I say to you? I was like, if the ghost of Brody Lee came back. Like I would probably cheer for the ghost of Brody Lee. Um, <laughs> yeah, you the only one more. Yeah, more over. well, because like he was like one of my like top five favorite wrestlers anyway. So That's so sad. Like yeah, real real sad. Um, big bummer. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> like it's like I just I loved him so much. Yeah. Um, but then maybe like if Daniel Bryan and Hiromu wrestled, I feel like I wouldn't know what to do mm-hmm. because it watching them is kind of the same right like right. you were stolen from me by mm-hmm. your neck and now you're back and you're wonderful and, and you're, i love you and you're, what's the what's the rest of it your neck your back the what <laughs> pussy and and your crack yep <laughs> mm-hmm. correct um we might have been watching two different shows <laughs> <laughs> but no like watching daniel bryan like that's kind of one of my dream matches actually that i came up with during this match watching it i was like i just want to see daniel bryan versus hiromu which oh i don't gosh, believe has yes. ever happened and i believe that it would be brilliant but obviously it's not a thing that is possible um did you know that daniel bryan daniel bryan wrestled shingo did he yeah I bet that was great. Dude, it was a banger. You need to watch it. I'll send it to you sometime. Uh, okay, but anybody yeah. listening to this too, check out that match. I mean, Shingo is just perfect uh, in the ring. And Daniel Bryan is uh, as well. They're both like at the top of their game. And man, they they delivered. And the crowd was hot. I mean, it was like one of the hottest crowds. And dude, it was awesome. I miss crowds that sounds amazing. too. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, I also the, miss crowds. And and especially in Japan, like it's such a unique crowd to have in the wrestling plays off the sound of the crowd so much that mm-hmm. because it's such a slow burn um, and the the way a, a, a typical New Japan match starts, especially for the main events and those long, how do you say it? The, the long, long winded matches, they mm-hmm. slowly ramp. It's like a slow burn. So, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes of the match, you'll just kind of see pretty st- uh, typical standard wrestling and it gets, it picks up and it picks up and it picks up and, what you'll notice before you know the pandemic the crowd would always be quiet to begin with you might get the occasional like naito 
out in the crowd, mm-hmm. but you know, you're not getting or like some polite clapping if there was, you know, yeah. a move. Yeah. Somebody will get like suplex and the crowd be like, mm, yes, great, great match. Yes, that was a suplex. I approve. <laughs> Seven out of ten. But then what happens is, you know, as it builds and as they start racing to the finish, uh, the crowd is just rowdy. And that's how you know you have actually captivated the crowd is they start actually making noise and starting to get. And I say rambunctious. That means they're just like, you know, it's just this constant rumbling of people, you know, shouting out names and gasping and you know, talking to each other. And it's, it's just this weird, like as the intensity of the match, uh, picks up the crowd activity picks up to match it. And that's something that we were kind of robbed of this year. Like we got like the claps, you know? Um, but if you, if, you know, knowing new Japan, every time they're clapping, like one, two, three, one, two, three, or whatever, that's typically when they'd be chanting somebody's name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're they're trying to project. They're like, here, we're rooting for you now. And it just sucks that we didn't get that this year, because to me, I think the main event on night two would have been absolutely like a riot in the crowd because that was such a good match. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, later. it would have been incredible. Like it, it was weird to me to even see a crowd for wrestling. Right. Because mm-hmm. obviously like everybody's wearing masks and they have, they have them pretty spaced out. The right. Tokyo dome was, do you know what capacity they were at? Like 25 or something like I, that. I think it was between 10 and 15. Okay. It, almost two things. It almost didn't happen uh, mm-hmm. because because well, Tokyo had wanted to declare a state of emergency like days before. Yes. And they're they're spiking now because they were sitting at something like five cases a, uh, like a day. Uh-huh. And so they had really contained it really well because they're just amazing people over there. I'll forever sing the praises of the yeah, Meanwhile culture. in Oklahoma. <laughs> meanwhile, hey, we got we got the high score uh, yesterday. <laughs> 6,000, I think, is what we're at. Something like that. You're, you're going to catch up to Michigan. Like. But, 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 yeah. <laughs> Tokyo's over there getting four or five, and we're just, like, destroying them in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, who do they think they are? They're I mean, not if you want to consider us winning. Those, those Japanese people think they're so impressive. But nobody, We're nobody spreads a pandemic like here. we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, it's like it's good that they're taking COVID seriously, right? And it yeah. did, like it looked like masks were being enforced and people were wearing them and being respectful. And I think the the edict not to have people cheer is a really interesting one right. because it's obviously like it's hard as a wrestling fan to not cheer right like when things are happening um but it's but it's smart right like they're saying Mm -hmm. okay we want to have a crowd in here we want the still you get the feeling of a crowd because of the clapping and because you know people are still making noise and there's still a little bit of a buzz Mm -hmm. and i think that when things started ramping up like like in the main events you obviously you didn't hear cheers the way that you would but there was like a murmur Mm -hmm. because it was kind of like that's when you're turning to your friend like say we're watching it together in the tokyo dome like i might turn to you and say oh, well, I'm really enjoying this. Like, I know we can't cheer, but I can talk to the person next to me. And I feel like there was a little bit more of like a murmur kind of. And it it still felt more organic than like empty arena wrestling that we saw. Correct. For a long time. Like if you watch Impact right now, it's just completely like empty. So strange. It's so strange. And like WrestleMania this past year was in the performance center and it was so weird. And what a surreal moment so crazy right so i think it's still it feels more 
it feels more like wrestling than some of the other stuff. Like WWE has their Thunderdome, which I think is brilliant. Like I love yeah, the Thunderdome. Cool. I think it's great. Um, but it is very piped in, right? Like it feels inauthentic. Yeah. The same way a lot of WWE things feel inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, AEW has a crowd, but they're in open air and you don't hear the crowd all that much. Like yeah. you see them when certain wrestlers make their entrance, but it's mostly you see like the the wrestlers on like the side of the ring and whatnot. Like you see them reacting to things. So it's, I don't know, like navigating COVID times has just been so strange overall. Right. And I think, I mean, it seems like new Japan was doing it as safely as they possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, with the, in the face of almost being shut down too, like they almost weren't able to have the event at least with, with people in the crowd. Right. Um, so like it was almost zero attendance. Um, the, the question was whether it was going to be 5,000 people in attendance or zero. And they were able to, my understanding is they were able to have it because they had already sold, you know, something like 15,000 tickets. At mm -hmm. a, so it was already at a limited capacity anyways, but because the tickets were already in people's hands, they were able to convince, you know, the government or whoever they had to convince that they, you know, those people deserve to be there because they paid for it. Mm -hmm. So they also were doing things like you had to check in and, um, you know, it was, for tracing reasons and things like that. You had to say which seat you were in. And I think you had to, you know, take a questionnaire or something on how you're feeling that day. And so they did, they did some cool stuff to try to keep it contained, but yeah, it was definitely, um, uh, limited capacity, but, um, let's talk about like actually Hiromu and night two, since we're already talking about, uh, Hiromu, our dear, sweet baby boy, <laughs> light of our lives. <laughs> yes. Our sweet neon angel. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, so that was, Ishimori and Hiromu uh, going for the the title, and I just would love to know your thoughts on it. And I'm I'm kind of queuing you up to give your thoughts on it first, so I don't sway you in anything any of my opinions because everybody already knows is going to know my opinion when they hear uh -huh. the last episode. So I just will let you run with it. Yeah, so um, Hiromu is perfect as we've covered. Mm -hmm. I love him with all of my heart. Ishimori also very good at the wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like I don't. Uh, He's another one that I don't think I've seen before, or at least I've not seen him in like a singles match where I've recalled him because, you know, a lot of times these New Japan matches, um, there'll be like multi-man matches or tags or whatever, mm -hmm. and the people don't necessarily stand out to me because mm -hmm. I don't watch it often enough to like learn anyone's names. So. <laughs> It's like Ishimori is a name that sounded familiar, but like if you had put him in a lineup of men, I would have been like, I have no idea who that human is. Now I know who that human is and he's real good. He's I amazing. enjoyed this match a whole lot. Like, I think I think I preferred the ELP match. Um, do you say ELP or is it LP or like El Phantasmo? It's, it's El Phantasmo. I think LP is how you say it. LP. Okay. Yeah. I'm just not familiar with the nomenclature <laughs> of these times. Um, just call them Elp. <laughs> just Elp. Good old Elp. I thought I, I really loved their match, but I really loved this match too. And it again, it felt like it had urgency. It felt like it mattered because it was for the title and it was like a very big deal. Right. right? right. Um, and again, Hiromu won and I was very happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, interesting thing about Ishimori. Have you ever heard the legend of the Bone Soldier? No. So Bone Soldier was a Bullet Club member who I don't I don't think he ever took his mask off. And it, it could have been multiple people. But um, the idea was Bone Soldier would show up and you have kind of like this mask on and like that was like a skull mask and he'd wrestle. But apparently he was just dog shit. 
Really? <laughs> yeah, and he was just so bad. Like he, everybody would always criticize criticize his in in uh, in ring ability, and he just couldn't he just couldn't go like the standard New Japan sets. Um, so it was such a, it's supposed to be such a big deal. And this was before I started actually paying attention to New Japan. But the funny thing about it was, um, I don't know, probably within the first year, maybe first six months of me watching New Japan. Um, they announced the Bone Soldier was coming back and everybody just rolled their eyes. Everybody was just like, oh, <laughs> like we thought we were past this guy. I mean, I, I I haven't seen a whole lot of his matches, but I just know that like if you talk about the original Bone Soldier, everybody just is. That it's just not a great situation. Yeah. And then when they have. Are we talking like Jinder Mahal level? Or are we talking um, like. I'm trying to think. It, would, it was like a like a not good wrestler. Like Jinder is okay right like yeah he's just like the he's crowd just didn't like him enough. yeah no who would be who would be a bad wrestler we talking like a psycho sid level of worker yeah that's a good example <laughs> somebody who's <laughs> wow. just kind of like blundering you know uh-huh. um so, I, mean, I love sid but like he's awful yeah exactly and that's part kind of, of how why i love him <laughs> yeah and so um when he when ishimori came out as the bone soldier everybody was like whoa okay bone soldier's legit now so mm-hmm. he took the moniker of bone soldier and he's now, um, you know, he's always tied uh, Ishimori, but they they gave him the name to kind of elevate the status. What a badass name, Bone Soldier, right? So like now there's an actual badass human filling the shoes of the badass name. So it feels like you should either be like a death skeleton, crazy, like really intense person, or uh-huh. like in porn. <laughs> no, that's the Boner Soldier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the knockoff. <laughs> Well, uh, don't tell me you wouldn't watch that film. Oh, I would 100% watch. I'd watch it on Twitter, considering that you can get all the porn on Twitter. Perfect. So what's funny is uh, Ishimori also used to walk to the ring really stiff. And the whole idea was he was like, oh, he's like a skeleton, you know, but it always just looked like he had to shit really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, he's kind of gotten away with uh, away from that over time. But that always made me laugh. I'm just like, oh, man, pull the stick out or something. Right. Um, but cool. Yeah, I agree. LP, um, if you haven't seen his other matches, so one, one of my favorite things that LP has ever done was he went up to like, like a seven year old in the crowd and went to give him a five and the kid like put his hand up and right before he fived LP, LP just flipped him off to his face. Nice. How amazing is that? (laughs) What a dick. He is a true heel. And actually he went to the back and they're like, bruh, like you can't do that, man. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. Yeah, like when you're so heelish, like the back is like, hey, no, <laughs> too too much heat, too much heat, brother. <laughs> um, but he's also, I guess, he came as a uh, he started he got into professional wrestling because he was a like a filmmaker. He, oh, really? Yeah, he was filming with the wrestlers, and that's how he he got his first step in the ring. And he was just like, okay, this is kind of cool, and he just started kind of wrestling with them and now he's like on the grandest stage and was almost uh you know almost had a shot at the the junior heavyweight championship in new japan like that's so cool to me like yeah that's awesome that's a really cool way to get into it i guess it's like it's a different path but like it shows you don't have to be like a huge fan of it or whatever forever to learn to love it i mean i didn't start watching wrestling until i was in my 20s so yeah so did you ever see the uh, the Attitude Era when it was actually like a new no, thing? No, not at all. No, that's that's part of Whoa. the fun thing of doing retro with Kenny now is Whoa. that I haven't seen it. So 
like I try to avoid spoilers from for shows that are 20 years old, which is difficult <laughs> sometimes. But no, there's a lot of stuff I don't know that's going to happen. Like when Vince McMahon won the title that one time, I was like, what? What, what are that's you doing? Cool. That's so crazy. Mm. Now I'm like going to be scared to like make any kind of attitude error reference in fear of spoiling some show that you Well, anything pre-2001 is, is fine. Yeah. And if you like, I mean, once you get into Ruthless Aggression, like I'm not going to remember oh. in like three or four years if you reference like 2004 2005 Mm -hmm. but like sometimes people like on our inside the ropes community facebook page that we have they'll they'll put like oh when this happened at royal rumble 2001 and kenny will have to be like delete that before sandra sees this nephew yeah Yeah. i uh i think ruthless aggression ruthless aggression was when i got off on um when i i didn't get off to it i actually got off on the I was ruthless, if you know what I'm saying, to my to myself. Um, right. <laughs> no, that's like that's what kind of killed it for me. Um, so the weird thing is, I never saw a CM Punk match. To this day, I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched a CM Punk match. I never saw any for- of Daniel. I Bryan. keep forgetting about that because I think you would have been into CM Punk, like because I I started watching in 2010. So the the whole pipe bomb promo money in the bank was like within my first year of watching wrestling yeah so it's very like early for me mm-hmm. but um no it's it's fun like i'm i'm gonna be going through raws and smackdowns from 20 years ago until forever <laughs> like until we catch up i guess <laughs> yeah that's great all right so uh, let's move on to um let's see do you want to talk about god and that son of a bitch, Zack Sabre Jr. So that son of a bitch, Zack Sabre Jr., <laughs> I thought was, I'm, I'm the Zack Sabre Jr. defender here. And I understand that that makes me very unpopular around these revoltage parts. But <laughs> every I will time, say Every time we're like, Sandra's going to be pissed because we're just shitting all over <laughs> Zack. And I like Zack Sabre Jr. I do. I, I appreciate him saying that he is Zach Labor Jr. I appreciate him calling out the Tories. So just like politically, I align uh, with a lot of the things that Zach Sabre Jr. Yeah. has to say. I love his promos backstage where he's just such a dick to oh, everyone. Yeah, he, and I, I do like, love his promos. Yeah, and I feel like dickhead Zach Sabre Jr. showed up in this match against Gorilla's Destiny because he was just being an awful person, right? Like just mm-hmm. kicking people in the face. Mm-hmm. He wasn't doing, he wasn't on as much of his submission bullshit. That yes. is the thing that I know you and Kellen do not appreciate about Zack Sabre Jr. Mm-hmm. is that he'll just do these submissions that don't look like they hurt and they don't mm-hmm. ever do anything and they never right. finish anything, whatever. Yeah. I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. is essentially the Young Bucks just with submissions instead of oh. flips. <laughs> that just sounds terrible. But it, I'm not wrong, though. Right? You're right. Like, You're so right. But that's just everything I hate about wrestling. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, like, <laughs> some is, people love that. I even I'm more willing jiu-jitsu. to grant it. Like, I'm more willing to grant it with submissions just because I think submissions are pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, I really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. But the more I watch Zack Sabre Jr. against, like, like say someone like Drew Gulak or Daniel Bryan or someone else who's like very good at mat wrestling and submissions and holds and things like that. I think they use them better. Um, which is why like I, I compare him to the young bucks or like he's, you know, a spot wrestler. It's just that his spots are submissions and not, you know, flips and dives and super Mm -hmm. kicks. So, but I feel like he was a little bit, he was more of like a wrestler in this match. And even you said, this is actually kind of fun. Yeah. So this is I was the first proud. Time, yeah. Okay. So two things. Um, it was somewhere late last year. 
and I don't remember what it was, but he did something that I just loved. Um, he got his shoelaces. Uh, he got counted out of like the G1 or something like that. He got counted out by um, Yano, I think is who it was, tied his shoelaces to the uh, to the uh, the rails on the outside. And, Brilliant. Yeah. And so Yano ran in and he couldn't, he tried to let, he grabbed the rail and was, the Zack Sabre Jr. was like hopping up and down, <laughs> trying to like get back to the ring any way he could. And then he threw a complete temper tantrum and ran out of the, uh, they had to cut his shoelaces off to have him, uh, you know, get back to the back. And he, he beat up the young lion that cut his shoelaces, grabbed the scissors, and then chased another one out of the arena with scissors. So untied shoes, running with scissors after somebody. Uh, really all of the poor decisions yeah. are being made here. Yeah, and he was like, the whole time he was just like kicking and screaming on the ground because he got mad. He was mad that he, he lost. And I was like, okay, this is like a Zack Sabre Jr. I can appreciate. And like He his, can be very funny. His heel antics and like the the things he says are great. It's just really if he can like trim out the first 50% of the submissions he does in a match and just like spam them at the end of the match when they actually are going to possibly finish a match. Like mm -hmm. I'm all for that. And that's kind of what he did here. I've always that's said that's what I loved so much about this tag match. And then, you know, in New Year's Dash, he was back on his bullshit. But like we right. had this really nice moment. <laughs> Yeah, he, one of Wrestle Kingdom. It's like he went out and wanted to win. He went out yeah. and and that he felt was, different. He was striking. He was uh, wrestling. He was doing like slams and things like that. And it's such a nice, like I've always said, the way you fix Zack Saber Junior is the first fifty percent of the match he strikes and he he slams and he does traditional wrestling, and then the last fifty percent he starts spamming those submissions because he knows that he's weakened them or softened them up and now they're vulnerable to the submission i just don't buy the first grab grapple of a match being a submission as being anything that could possibly end a match like, i mean i get it if you're like trying to work on a body part or something like that but it, right. in his matches it doesn't seem like that's the case right usually because the submissions aren't necessarily attacking the same body part exactly or anything like that so it doesn't really make a ton of sense right so i like i understand your criticisms of zack saber jr i just really enjoy his antics and things mm -hmm. and then when he wrestles matches like this tag match i think he can be super fun yeah and also i have a new um least favorite person anyways so zach <laughs> yeah I, I feel like our our least favorite person might be the same one yeah we'll get there uh, very angry <laughs> zach zach elevated himself a little bit at wrestle kingdom for me and um, somebody else dropped down. So we'll talk about mm -hmm. that son of a bitch later. But um, yeah, this was, this was a fun match. It's uh, one of the few matches that actually had shenanigans. And we thought there was going to be shenanigans throughout the whole show. Yeah. Uh, I kept thinking there was going to be a run-in. And there was never a single run-in. And I kept Seriously thinking... shenanigans to be found. This was... It was... Who was the man that did the clothing? Oh, um, so Izka uh, was the, the guy previous... Um, and then Tamatanga was the one that grabbed it from, um, are you talking about the iron claw or whatever? Uh -huh. Yeah. So a guy named Izka, who was not a great wrestler either. He just kind of ran in and bit people and looked really big and scary. And his whole idea Sounds was he fun. was like, yeah, he was like a psycho, like unhinged character mm -hmm. that would basically let him off his leash and he'd just go around biting everyone. Um, he used to be a great wrestler back in the day, but uh, he was old and was he like a George, the animal steel type. Um, you know, if I knew who that was, I'd probably say yes. Oh, okay. He used to like eat turnbuckle pads and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Izka would like bite people's shoes and like all, literally all he could do was bite. So, um, but he was big and imposing. He was like 
Lance Archer style of like body type oh, okay. and big and scary, but like, and he'd, they'd, he'd walk out from the crowd, uh, with a, a chain on like a leash and they literally get him in the ring and take him off his leash. And then he'd just go try to bite everybody. So, mm-hmm. but you know, 15 years ago, he was an actual like legitimate pro wrestler, but now I think this was just kind of, he's kind of doing the Yano thing, but it just, yeah. didn't, it just didn't work out well because you, if you saw one of his matches, you saw all of them and he'd, he had the claw and he'd always win by the claw. He'd never win by actual pro wrestling. So, um, that was that it is cool though because he did kind of pass that on to tai chi and so when you see that come out it's like oh neat that's fun mm-hmm. but um yeah i like that god pulled some shenanigans here because it was a wrestle kingdom's a good time to exploit some of those things and just kind of make those like holy shit scenarios but i mean if that was the most if that was the craziest thing that happened at wrestle kingdom that's just kind of like oh man like this is a weird wrestle kingdom yeah <laughs> did you did it was you- strange and I, I think that they're probably because of the pandemic and probably because they are not running more shows for the foreseeable future it right. seemed like they didn't want to set anything up with too many shenanigans throughout right. the shows um but it was nice to see a little bit of a little bit of chicanery here yeah did you think it was weird did you notice that like i know you've seen some wrestle kingdoms in the past did you watch this thinking they're they don't have a big like you know young lion that's returning from excursion or they don't have a teaser they always have like little video packages of like oh what's gonna happen like chris jericho one time i think jumped in from the crowd um yeah like they always have those big moments and there was not a single one throughout the entirety of the show did did you notice that and did that catch you off guard I mean, I did notice it and it, I think it caught me more off guard in New Year's Dash because I figured that they would be like setting things up because that's normally when, you know, like big things would happen or like it's the season premiere basically, right? Yeah. And I think because they don't know how much of a season they have to premiere, it just, it it did feel odd, but I still really enjoyed Wrestle Kingdom even without one of those big moments. I just don't think it's going to be one of the ones that people are talking about for for years to come, right? Like they're not talking about I don't know. I'm trying to think of like moments in Wrestle Kingdom history, like Chris Jericho showing up would be one. Right. Right. Um, Or like, I mean, I remember when Okada had a dinosaur in his entrance, (laughs) which I think was like Wrestle Kingdom eight or something. Like it was brilliant. You know, Um, there was no dinosaur here, but I still thought it was great. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Um, You know, Nagata was uh, or was it not Nagata, but uh, Kojima was in there later. He's kind of a dinosaur. Kind of a dinosaur. That's accurate. <laughs> That's true. Cool. Um, what did you think of the match overall? Did you? I mean, what do you think it was about? Fun. What do you think about Thomas' new look? Um, I mean, I didn't realize that it was a new look. I <laughs> did you realize it was Thomas? No. Um, <laughs> not until you told me. <laughs> like, well, he's another person that like I don't recognize facially. Like, I know mm-hmm. the name, but I've yeah. seen him so little that what like a weird way to like learn who Tama is. By the way, like physically, because this is like the weirdest he's ever looked. Yeah, because I think like you and our other friend we were talking to you were just like, "What has happened to his face?" And I was like, "I don't know. He looks great. Like, he looks very pretty. <laughs> he looks fine to me. <laughs> he looks, you know, a very attractive gentleman." And I didn't understand that there had been a beard before. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. A, a lot of beard yeah and then like I, I i think i googled a picture of tamatanga to see what you were talking about and i was like oh that's definitely of a different look yeah 
But, uh, you know, I, I'm happy that he's an attractive guy, handsome looking guy. But it just mm-hmm. is so weird that his character for so long has been, has been so vile that he now just has this like prim, proper look, clean shaven. I don't know. It's, it's just not one of those situations where clashes. like he shaved the beard and it was a mistake, you know, like how some people will have a beard for ages and ages and ages and then mm-hmm. shave it. And it's like, oh, oh what have you maybe done? go back to hiding your face. This yeah. is a face that deserves to be seen. Yeah, he's got a good face. It's just it's just weird. We're not we're not we haven't adjusted to it yet. Mm-hmm. It's like the, it's uh, when you get a new haircut and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, man, what did I do? And then two weeks later, you're like, oh, no, this is good. Like, yeah, I mean, I haven't changed my hair since I was 10. So it's <laughs> wait, but it's you've cut it since say. then, at least, right? Yeah, like trimmed it. But like, it's just been long and straight. Like the most I do to it is add some overtone rose gold so that it like shines pink a little bit. Please give yourself just, some bangs one day. Just show up. At no. My house bangs. Oh, I'm, I'm terrified to cut my hair. <laughs> terrified. Uh, just do like the pixie cut. You and Kristen can be a uh, little pixie. You couldn't do it. I will leave that to Kristen. It looks so good on her, and I just don't think I could rock it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, so let's talk about uh, Kinta and Kojima. You actually uh, know Kinta from the WWE. What was his name? Akira Tozawa? He was Hideo Itami. Oh, yeah, that in, guy. In WWE. It Wait, would be difficult who's, to remember. Who's Akira Tozawa then? <laughs> Akira Tozawa is still in WWE. Oh. He was recently eaten by a shark. He survived it. Um <laughs> I'm not kidding. That happened in the 24-7 title chase. Uh, I love the 24-7 title. It's amazing. Um, (laughs) No, Akira Tozawa is still there. Uh, Hideo Itami was actually meant to be NXT champion. He was meant to win at Beast in the East when Finn Balor won, Mm -hmm. but he got injured Mm. and could not do it. So that like basically started Finn Balor's whole deal in nxt hideo itami was just kind of like plagued by injuries yeah that's been the story of his career yeah and it like even when he came back it just like you could tell wwe just didn't really have much for him which Mm -hmm. sucked because he was so good right like i I really really liked him and then like he comes to new japan and he's kenta again and he's just fucking brilliant like I love him. Like, I love Kenta. I think yeah. Kenta is such a perfect prick. Like, his kicks are just insane. Um, so as much as, you know, this was Kenta Kojima, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to remember who was wrestling who. Because Mr. Again, Bread Club just, himself. Yeah. So as much as I love Bread Club, I was like, I'm sorry, Bread <laughs> Club. Like, I love Kenta more because oh, yeah. he's he's my dude. Mm-hmm. And he continues to be my dude. And you know, for anyone who was watching him in WWE and thought he didn't care, he was washed up, he was done, he was too injury prone, whatever. Kent is killing it right now, and he's awesome, and I, I'm just really happy to see him. I liked this match a lot. What do you think about uh, Kojima's in-ring ability? I think he's good. Um, I'm trying to think, like, nothing, like, stands out to me, because it's, yeah. it's one of those things, right? Like, when you watch Wrestle Kingdom, it's like everybody's so good that it's hard to be like, this person's like extra good or this person's like slightly not as good because the matches are all like with the exception of one that we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> like most of them are really great. Right? right. And so like, I mean, I like Kojima. How old is Kojima? What if I told you he was 50 years old? Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, like, and he's still real good. Yeah. I mean, like he's the, you know, we don't see that very often in American wrestling that people are wrestling like at 50 and beyond, except yeah. for when they trot Goldberg out to ruin our oh, lives every oh. once in a while. I'm still salty um, about that one. 
I oh, don't get me started. Uh, but like, I mean, you have Dustin Rhodes in AEW still yeah. being absolutely brilliant. I right. mean, like he's better now at 50. I think he's 50 or 51. Way better now than he was as gold dust when I was yeah. watching him a couple of years ago on retro. Like he was mm-hmm. dog shit then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think they finally took the reins off of him. I think he's able to kind of do what he wants to do as a wrestler versus just being a gimmick. Well, and he's in a much better like place physically and oh, mentally yeah. than he was then, too, For which sure. helps a lot. But I think it, it shows, right? Like if you can extend your career, like wrestling at 50 is not an impossibility. Mm-hmm. And you can still like, I mean, Kojima can still go. Mm-hmm. So why not have him go? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what's what's interesting is typically Kojima is relegated to the first, like either a dark match or an opener. So for most matches, I don't think they do this with Wrestle Kingdom, but with a typical, you know, pay-per-view level match um, and really just main matches too, it always opens with Young Lions wrestling. Sometimes mm-hmm. the young lions wrestle each other, or sometimes they wrestle the old veterans. And the the idea is that these are the veterans that are coaching them, and then they have to go out there and put on a show for everyone, you know, wrestling their mentors. And it's a learning opportunity, and it's them kind of warming up, and it also kind of eases people in. If people are running late, they're not m- missing an incredible match, but it also gets the crowd um, attracted to these young lions. So it's this really cool thing. But the, the the weird thing about it is Kojima has always been relegated to wrestling young lions uh, as long as I can remember. And he, this was kind of, to me, his last chance to have a main event, not main event, but like a main spot like on, a prominent match. Yeah. And I thought that was super cool. And now I, I there was zero chance that he was going to win that match. Um, especially with how they've been pushing Kenta and, you know, again, he was relegated always to the openers, but I was pleasantly surprised. And I'm glad that you said that he was a good wrestler and that you, you were impressed because he really was truly a, uh, how do you say this? He was great in the past and he's still good, even at 50 years old. And this to me was by far the best match I've ever seen him work. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, Again, like I can't think of other Kojima matches that I've seen other than maybe tags or probably wrestling a young lion at some point. So seeing him in a showcase like this, he looked like he belonged. It didn't look like, you know, oh, this we gave this guy a prominent match because of longevity or whatever, but it just wasn't very good. No, I thought this was great. Like, of course, I wanted Kenta to win because Kenta's my dude. But you know, like it was, it was really great. I thought they worked really well together. Agreed. And now I'm super pumped to see Kinta and Moxley at some point. I am so stoked for that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Put it in my veins, please. <laughs> like oh, I'm yeah. so excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so excited. I was really hoping that it would show up actually at, uh, I knew that there was not any kind of like us belt talks on night two. So I was hoping that it would be a Oh, it's a night one thing. And then they defended on night two as a surprise. And everybody would get like that. If all they did was that, that would be like, oh, badass. Like, this is that cool mm. moment of like Mox walking out and being like, I'm taking that belt, you son of a bitch. But no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But I think, you know, with travel and quarantine restrictions yeah. and things, like I yeah. understand why it didn't happen. It's just, sure. you know, COVID put like a nice wet blanket all over life for yeah. the past yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that is kind of a bummer. But like, we do have that to look forward to when they yeah. can start running up shows again. And like, do you think it'll happen on one of the American shows? I 
think so. If it doesn't happen in the American show, it'll. I think they'll record it here in America because I believe that Kenta lives in like Florida or something. Yeah, I think he lives in Florida, which is why he has the U.S. belt challenge. Now they've, you know, typically they keep the U.S. belt for guy jeans, but mm-hmm. this is kind of cool because he is super Asian, and I think it really allows him to kind of change the discussion around the U.S. belt. It's not the white person's belt it's the now like and i think uh who is it jay white i think had the u.s belt for a while as well which is kind of awkward because it's like i mean technically he's new zealand but like yeah but yeah it's it's cool but he's also like not japanese so (laughs) right yeah he's not japanese so he must be american Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's how it works right like (laughs) america's the only thing that matters isn't that what we say hell yeah (laughs) America. (laughs) So, yeah, um, let's move on to uh, Tanahashi, the ace, versus the great Okan. My new favorite wrestler. He's so fun. He's great. He comes out with a question mark on his face. Like, how (laughs) am I not going to love him? He has pants that look like the Sultan. Like... (laughs) immediately my favorite wrestler it does not matter if he can wrestle at all like it does not matter when licked to me if he can wrestle but yeah. he can so mm-hmm. that's a bonus mm-hmm. um because not only did he have a question mark on his face but he also had tanahashi's face on his face oh, yeah. and and a hat he also had a hat he had a lot um, he had a lot of stuff going on upstairs sometimes this is what matters to me in wrestling yeah. like i love the actual wrestling yep. of wrestling i love it like i love transitions i love submissions i love strikes i love all of the in-ring action, I also love when you come out with a question mark on your face. <laughs> and so, then he took all of that off and revealed quite possibly the worst haircut in New Japan. But awful. Worst I love it. And greatest simultaneously. It's amazing. Like it's <laughs> it's perfect for him. It is perfect for the great Ocon. Um because you told me he's like recently back from excursion and was a young lion fairly recently, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he's this is him being like a person yeah. for the first time not right. maybe not the first time but like he's very early in personhood mm-hmm. i think he's doing great i think he's doing great at being a person yeah. and i really loved this and of course i was like rooting for the great okan and of mm-hmm. course the great okan was not going to win against <laughs> tanahashi because yeah. i've seen this program before um <laughs> but like i just i thought this was so much fun and and tanahashi too like he's he's someone who's been around forever right like mm-hmm. and they keep talking about how you know tanahashi really needed to win this because he's been on a losing streak i guess because he's like you know his knees are like we will not function anymore and he's like i would like you to function so that i could continue to do the wrestling um (laughs) and and his knees are just like how about no and so it's (laughs) it's one of those things where it seems like he's kind of in the twilight of his career Mm -hmm. and like grappling with the existential crisis of mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. is the story that they were telling me on commentary. And I yeah. thought that that came across really well. Um, and also the great Ocon was just brilliant. So like yeah. Tanahashi getting a win, I think commentary really did their job here because they made Tanahashi winning feel like a big deal. Yeah. Whereas like when it started, because Tanahashi is one of the people I know that like he is going to win, mm-hmm. right? Like he is the ace. That is yeah. what happens. Even right. I know that as like my <laughs> cursory New Japan knowledge, like Tanahashi right. will win. Um, so I think commentary did a great job of telling the story between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the wrestling was also real good. And that's just something that I'll just keep saying basically throughout most of the matches we're going to talk about because most of the wrestlers we saw on this program were awesome. Yeah, well, and that's it's nice that you can say that too because on a show that was very tame, 
from like a moment perspective, mm-hmm. um, the wrestling really stepped up and there wasn't a whole lot of botches. Um, you know, a lot of the, even some of the more tame matches in the sense of, um, ones that weren't telling huge storylines, they were still interesting to say the least. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the, the wrestling really did elevate this into wrestle kingdom status versus just being another show because i think that had they not just gone all out and and brought their best wrestlers all together to put on a show on the main stage i think that it would have just felt like any other event and that's what some people said about new year's dash and that kind of is i agree with that sentiment new year's dash that one did feel like just kind of another show like it was nice it was fun enough but it was just kind of like okay that was that but the good thing is they they at least elevated this to Wrestle Kingdom status. And I think there was a total of five five star matches that happened across the two nights. So like that's the wrestling they were able to prop it up, and that's something that I think New Japan can might be the only promotion that can do that that can only rely strictly on just extremely talented wrestling because they're so uh, solid at the basics, and and the crowd itself is. Um, even though we expect some kind of shenanigans or some kind of moments to to come out, the wrestling is is at a high enough quality that they don't need that. If AEW, well, and that's what people are there to watch, right? Like right. it's it's different when you're watching other promotions because you're there more for like episodic storytelling and the soap opera drama of it exactly. all. But when you're watching a New Japan show, you know what you're getting, you're right? Because it for I, the sport. I have friends who who don't really enjoy New Japan just yeah. because the wrestling part of wrestling is their least mm-hmm. favorite thing yeah. like my co-host on inside the ropes is always just like you know he, he loves wrestling he's watched it forever but the wrestling is his least favorite part you know <laughs> if they could just like you know get rid of that damn ring and if they could just be nice to each other and not slap oh, no, each other like around. if it could be all entrances and spectacle and like <laughs> a little bit of wrestling but like some shenanigans and run-ins kenny would be thrilled like, like the south park episode <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh that's great yeah, I uh, I I do a lot. I I watch New Japan because their holy shit moments are so few and far between that they really do like make a big deal, and that's why you have to tune into things like Dominion or the G One Finals or you know the the Road Two uh, episodes where you know something crazy is going to happen and it's going to be you know really highlighted at the big deal. It didn't really happen here, but that's okay because mm-hmm. you know one, they don't put on shows every week, so they're not beholden to trying to one up themselves constantly. And two, um, it's just, it's a, it's a sport. It's, it's, you show up to watch wrestling and everything else is just a little extra icing on the cake. So, Mm -hmm. and they tell a lot of stories in the ring very well, I would say. Exactly. And we'll, we'll get to that point. Holy cow. (laughs) I can't wait. Well, (laughs) ideally they do or they don't and it fails. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. So let's talk about um, Okada and Osprey real quick. I know these are both two two people that you're pretty well familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is first off? What are your initial thoughts on the Empire after seeing both nights one and two? And they uh, lost everything. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? It's so funny. Um, it, like because I. Empire became, you know, like just by virtue of Great Ocon stealing my heart with his Sultan pants. Like I <laughs> loved them. Um, so, you know, Will Ospreay, Great Ocon, Jeff Cobb, who we will talk about his match. It was so good. Oh, yeah. Um, and then like B Priestley and whatnot. Like I'm not really that fond of Will Ospreay. Like, and 
like I just he's fine. Like he's always been fine. I think he's very very good. Um, but he's is it his he's personality just, outside of the ring that kind of rubs you the wrong way? That's a big part of it. Um, yeah. But also, it's just like he's never been one of my dudes, you know, yeah. like he just hasn't been. And that's fine. Has he um, chilled out Jeff, on social media? Because I know that that was kind I of. So. The, I don't follow him. So yeah, smart. Yeah. Like, because just I don't. <laughs> I just I can't put myself through that. So um, like he's, you know, he just kind of seems like a knob. But he like Empire. Just call him a knob. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know, that's UK for penis, right? <laughs> yes. He just I seems well like a him. real penis. Yes, correct. Um, I stand by it. So, but like, you know, there's nobody in there that's like one of my dudes, except for Great O'Conn, who has just become one of my dudes like immediately so by having a question mark on his face. So, um, but I always love Jeff Cobb. I think he's great too. Oh, and they seem like such an odd group. And I think they, they seem like such an odd group in a good way, right? Like yeah. everybody seems to have a role to fill, which I yeah. think is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it was really interesting that they did lose all of their matches throughout nights one and two of Wrestle Kingdom. And then they had, obviously at New Year's Dash, they got kind of retribution and, yeah. you know, one in pretty big fashion. And then like they did the whole injury angle and stuff, which was yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I like Empire. Um, I'm an Empire fan. For sure. But I I don't know. It it seems like they're just kind of starting up. I'm curious to see what happens with them. So that's something that New Japan has always been really good about is they don't they New Japan is typically an exercise in restraint just in general. Mm -hmm. So it's it's all about um, (laughs) this is a weird way of saying it, but you don't want to blow your load too fast. No, it's true. And, you know, you it's uh, one of those situations where they have they don't have to have a push right now they've got the attention they deserve but they don't need to be overpowered because you've got these long-term storylines happening the last thing you need to do is you know book the empire to completely overshadow lij and and their fallout uh with evil or you know don't overbook the empire and mess up the turmoil that's being caused by evil now being in bullet club and you know evil wanting to 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 be a leader and jay white trying to be a leader as well like it's just uh it's it's a weird it's great because when they do pull the trigger on things it's it's you know much more elevated but they can lose and the japanese crowd is going to be okay with that and i love the way that will osprey cut that promo and he goes oh you think we're weak huh you think that because we didn't win any matches that you think that we're, you know, the worst in the in the, the New Japan, but we're not. He goes, we're going to show you something different. Like, yeah, the last two nights weren't ours, but we're not going anywhere. And I love mm-hmm. that. I love that being the story of, no, nah, we have to prove ourselves. We're not, this is not a, a shoe in This is not, we're not going to be the new Bullet Club right out, of the, right out of the gate. And those guys all can lose. Like they all have enough of a, a foothold in New Japan, and 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 with Great Okan being a young lion that came back on excursion, the Japanese are big on the young lions coming back because mm-hmm. you know they already have that connection there. So it's not even that. Like yes, he is a new character and he's a new person, but um, at the same time, he's not going to be. How do I say this? But he's not just like come out of nowhere. Like you've yes. seen him before. They have a connection. And it's like seeing it's like seeing your baby great O'Connell grown up, right? Yeah, like exactly. you, you want to see him blossom and yep. see what he does. Yep. 
exactly. So I love it that New Japan has the like uh, being Western wrestlers in like American storytelling and everything like that we would be like oh you gotta book him tr- strong because otherwise people aren't going to be interested in him japanese public is totally different there they actually really like that story of like overcoming and mm-hmm. you know if you look well, and at it, it makes sense like logically right if yeah. you're new like if you're a new team you're mm-hmm. probably not going to be as good at being a team as someone who's been a team for a long time exactly right so it it makes sense that you have to prove yourself. It makes sense that if you're a newer wrestler, you're not going to be as good as the older established wrestler. Yeah. Like that's, that is logical, but it's just different to how American wrestling tends to book their shows. It's not like there's like a good or bad, I guess, but I think right. both can definitely work. Yeah. Okada and, um, Okada and Osprey, I thought was a really good match too, because it wasn't, it wasn't as much a typical Will Ospreay match. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't as fast paced. It wasn't as flippy. Like it definitely got really intense toward the end. Yeah. But I think that having to blend their styles worked in both of their favors. Absolutely. Yeah. And something that's so incredible about Okada is just like how solid he is. Like he's got the basics. Him and Jay White are kind of a, similar in this scenario. They both do wrestling 101 to perfection. Mm-hmm. And Osprey is also very, very sound, very clean and, and perfect in his execution. But he also does all like the flippy shit and does all the, you know, dives. And it's like he puts on a spectacle versus Okada just going out and he's going to be like, I'm going to tell a good story and I'm going to wrestle really well. And that's going to be it. And I believe that I kind of love when Osprey gets grounded a little yes, bit. Yes. Yes. Like, and that's, I think, when he is the best because you forget that he is actually like a very good mat wrestler, exactly. like very good. It's just that he normally is doing more of the, you know, the flippy stuff, the spectacle stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you don't see it as often. But in matches like this, I think you get to see like just how good Will Osprey is. Mm-hmm. And I think it also elevates him more as a heavyweight. Like we buy him mm-hmm. as a bigger, stronger guy. And he's put on a lot of muscle. He's got, a, he's a bigger dude now. And I think it, we buy it more. It's hard to sit there and say, this guy's a heavyweight when he's doing like three, you know, round offs at a cartwheel over the, you know, ro- top ropes and doing like a corkscrew you know, dive over the top. And it's just mm-hmm. like, wait, that guy's supposed to be a heavyweight. Like, why is he doing cruiserweight stuff or junior heavyweight stuff? You know? So, um, I agree. And I thought that the, the psychology of the match was great too. Just Osprey having to try to overcome his, his pappy and, you know, getting slapped down for it. Like he's at that age where he's trying to fight his dad and dad showed him why dad's boss calling the shots. And of course. And I mean like Okada, it, I know it's become lol Okada wins or whatever, but like Okada just feels like such a fixture at this point. Right. Like when when he was making his entrance, he actually reminds me of Charlotte Flair in a way, mm. where there's just a presence about yeah. them. Yep. Not just because they wear robes, but like there's just there's something in the air that you can't really describe. Yeah. But it's just like you know that someone important is here. You Absolutely. know, someone very important is in the room. Agreed. And even like I think people have the same kind of just from what I've seen, like vitriol toward Okada that a lot of people have with Charlotte, where they're just like, oh, he's just always going to win. He's always going to be on top. He's always going to be the person. He's always going to be the one that they focus on. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a reason for it because they're really great. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and he's, it's cool because he has that like Rainmaker kind of moniker, but he is, he fills those shoes. Like, that could be so cheesy. Like, mm-hmm. if, if he didn't have that like brash personality and the talent to back it up, that would, 
just feel so gimmicky, but he makes it, he takes it beyond a gimmick and more into a, you believe it. You believe that this guy yeah. is truly the million dollar baby that's coming out to, you know, wreck shop. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's awesome. Like he's just really awesome. <laughs> he's Okada. He's Okasum. Yeah, <laughs> totally works. I promise. <laughs> Thanks for that. I needed that. Uh, <laughs> all right. And so now we're going to talk about the main event. Um, let's actually let's hold off on the main event because we'll just do night one and night two main event as like a, a singular conversation. Yeah. So so let's talk about because there's so much that goes into both of those. Um, I really am interested to hear your thoughts on just that whole scenario. So mm-hmm. let's look at night two real quick and see if there's anything that we missed. Um, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. There's one. The, the big <laughs> elephant in the room. <laughs> there's what I'm really killing excited. our souls. <laughs> There's what I'm really excited to talk about, and there's what I'm really not excited to talk about. Oh, I'm excited to talk about Sonata <laughs> Eagle. I'm real excited to talk about it. I fucking uh, hate that guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm angry. So, I'm so glad that you you share that sentiment too, because I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm too close to wrestling, and I'm like, maybe I'm just like, you know, maybe I know too much, and maybe I just maybe somebody that you know is just showing up. For, for the annual Wrestle Kingdom would be like, oh, that was fine. But no. I feel is... like that's how I felt about Sonata last year. Like I felt like <laughs> Weird Beard Sonata last year was like, he's fine. I, it's, that's okay. Yeah. I don't really know much about this gentleman other than his weird beard that he <laughs> seems to have. But okay. Like that's, that's the only reason I remember Sonata from last yeah. year is his yeah. beard situation. Yeah. That was just like mm-hmm. really ill-advised. So he's gotten rid of the weird beard. Yeah. And also gotten rid of any of my love for him oh, yeah. because this match with evil was terrible. Like, like, I thought it was atrocious. He's like Samson. You you remove his beard and you remove his power. Yeah. Like, like our love because for him. Remember at the beginning of the match, I was like, good work, Sonata. You fixed your face. Like this is a better situation <laughs> for you. No, go back to being weird beard Sonata because at least that one didn't kill my soul. I <sighs> hated this match so Ugh. much. Like at the beginning of it, I think I was like, is this kind of boring? Like, I'm just yeah. kind of bored. Like, the wrestling was fine, right? Like, it mm-hmm. was good because they are good wrestlers, mm-hmm. not an evil both. Mm-hmm. And, like, because I was following along on Twitter as well. And um, so, <laughs> sorry, Ray's just leaving. Um, <laughs> hi, Ray. Hi. <laughs> uh, but, tell uh, like, tell I, Mr. Mr. Martinez I said hello. Okay, Logan says hello. Um but yeah so like at the beginning of it i was like this is just kind of dull the wrestling is good whatever this is fine right and then as it went on i was just like this is real bad because you were telling me the story of like evil had turned on sonata and it was like a um like a big situation because he was the only one who'd ever left lij and it was like betrayal and blood feud and all this stuff and i was like i'm not getting blood feud from this like they started with lockups man and Sonata did not seem upset at evil. He seemed bored to be mm-hmm. there. I was bored to be there. Evil <laughs> didn't seem nearly evil enough. Like your name is evil. What are you even doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, because as you were explaining it to me, Sonata's whole deal is that he wants to be like cold and calculated and yeah. whatever, but it just comes across as disinterested. Right. Yeah. And I think that he needs to take lessons from one Mr. Orange Cassidy oh, yeah. as to how to, 
be able to flip that switch, right? Because yes. Orange Cassidy's whole thing is that he's disinterested. He comes out with his hands in his pockets. He can't be bothered to be there. When he was independent wrestling champion, he carried it in a bag because he couldn't <laughs> be bothered to carry a belt, right? Like that's great. All of the things. He's amazing. But when he gets angry, like when Chris Jericho insults him or when, you know, someone's coming after him, when Pac is disparaging him, whatever, he gets angry and he flips that switch and he looks like he actually cares. And then he'll put his hands back in his pockets and whatnot. And just he walks that line so brilliantly. You know who doesn't do that? (laughs) Fucking Sonata. (laughs) He is awful. He just looks bored the whole time. And I hate him with all of my passion. <laughs> I could listen to you say this all day because it's it, <laughs> it echoes my sentiments exactly. Like, I don't even have anything to follow up with that. Like, it is absolutely a, a disappointment. And, you know, it's it, he was getting choked out at the press conference. He was getting, you know, I think there was a couple run-ins or something. I don't even know. But none of it matters because you would never know. Like, if I didn't tell you that this was such a, you know... A horrendous event to happen in the history of LIJ. You would have never known. You would have no, not at all. And there was no one. I would have had no idea. I would I, like. I thought that this was just a fine sporting competition between two <laughs> bored gentlemen. <laughs> right, and and you know, I always say that the subtleties are are what makes New Japan so great. But this is a perfect example of where you need to throw the subtleties out the window because you've got one chance to do this. You know, have it a have it a subtle, uh, you know, feud if Hiromu, you know, comes in three months down the line. Make it a subtle uh, issue if, you know, he he starts looking for other. He gets kicked out of Bullet Club and he tries to go back to Lij and they don't let him in. You know, that mm-hmm. stuff is fine. Like, be subtle about that, but don't be subtle when Sonata is supposed to be facing evil. And, and they're supposed to be like former tag partners. You should be clawing faces. Yes, absolutely. And I just I don't buy it that the whole idea was, oh, is he gonna is he gonna get mad or is he not gonna get mad? Because it's like he should get mad. What? If he doesn't get mad, then he doesn't care. And why should I care? I right. didn't care. It just kept happening to right. me. <laughs> it just kept it being bombarded with this like mediocrity. And like all of the near falls. I was getting so angry at yeah. every kick out because I was like, I just want this to be over. I will why say this. Why is this still happening? There is one silver lining to this match, however. Do you know what it is? What? The Dick Togo table bump. Oh my gosh, that's right. (laughs) That was brilliant. He basically did an elbow to the table. I love it. I love it. There is this is the moment that I became a Dick Togo fan. Best part of the match by far. (laughs) I didn't totally get Dick Togo. Like I know he's a legend. Um apparently Dick Togo has made his rounds in a bunch of different promotions. He's kind of like the Ibushi, but like an even more independent version of Ibushi where he's always just kind of been around and always been just like a great worker, but never really, you know, shined in the bright lights. So I felt like this was Dick Togo being like, well, I'm at the dome. I guess I'm going to have to bump myself here. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. It was brilliant. fucking catapulted himself off the apron and just like macho man to the table this is so absolutely like he didn't just fall onto the table he didn't even like jump onto the table he did a full ass elbow onto the table and it was brilliant i loved it it. thank you it was so bonkers thank you dick togo Togo. for making this a (laughs) five-star match yes (laughs) all right now that we've uh shit on sonata enough and by the way props to evil he was fine you know 
he didn't um he didn't blow me away but he didn't suck the 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 life out of this match either so no that was Sonata's job I feel like evil could have been more evil though. agreed agreed like if he's supposed to be like the big bad baddie mm-hmm. then I didn't really get that from him either it seemed like both of them were more subdued than they should have been but Sonata yeah. far more so right um there's one other match uh that's kind of an outlier here and I want to just briefly you know, talk about it um because there is uh, El Desperado and Kinamaru took on Taguchi and Wado. Um, I then we'll talk about um, you know Cobb and Takagi. But before we do mm-hmm. Cobb and Takagi, um, what do you think of Wado? What do you think of his look, his style, uh, and then just overall? What about this match? Did anything stand out to you on this one? This was I for the like tag he's... titles. Yeah, I feel like Wado's still trying to figure out how to be a person. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? Like, he's another, like, young lion just kind of back from excursion, like, mm-hmm. a very new person. Um, and he feels like a new person. He's got like, the, like, I baby think deer legs still. Kind of, yeah. Like, he he's good. Like, he's definitely good. And you can see that there's something there. But I don't think that, like he doesn't seem to have it as figured out as, like, Great Ocon, And not mm-hmm. just because he's my favorite wrestler, but, like, just... <laughs> In terms of in the match, it looked like there were a couple moments where it looked like he was thinking about it more than just like doing things by muscle memory, Mm -hmm. which like wrestling's really hard, you know, like, I mean, you know this, you do it. So Mm -hmm. it's wrestling's really difficult and it takes a lot of years and a lot of practice to be able to just like do things by by muscle memory or just kind of do things instinctively. So I think like I think that he is good, but when you told me that he was like a very new, like brand new person that made sense to me because he kind of had that look about him. Um, the match was still super fun. Like I love Taguchi. I think he's great. Um, because again, like just comedy wrestlers are definitely my jam. The coach pervert, Um, the coach pervert who doesn't love a coach pervert. Right. (laughs) So like this match was, this match was fine. Like it was fun enough. It -hmm. wasn't bad. Um, but it was, you know, like, I don't remember much about it. Like, it wasn't super remarkable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's kind of honestly how I feel. Um, I mean, I remember there's a match, but I, and I was like, I'm pretty sure like Taguchi and Wado lost because I would re- it would stick out in my mind that they won. But uh-huh. the match itself was kind of lackluster, which is kind of disappointing because did you see Desperado and Hiromu's match? I still haven't seen it. I oh, need to watch it. Goodness. Because I've heard all of the amazing things about Ooh. it. And so, like, yeah, so like Desperado's coming off of like this one of the best matches of the of 2020. And this was the match he was kind of paired with. And I felt like it wasn't Desperado's fault. Desperado went out and, and put on a good match to the best of his ability, but I felt like everybody in the ring pulled him back. I felt like mm-hmm. he is he's better than these guys now. And even if Desperado was a mid-card guy, guy before, you know, upper mid-card, all of these other guys were solid mid-carders. And I feel like after his last match, Desperado is now at that level of of impressiveness. And he's got that clout now that, you know, it just he needs to break away from these. He needs first off, he needs to quit tagging with Kitamaru. Kanemaru is as as okay as he is. Uh, Desperado's on another level, and mm-hmm. he's just gonna. He needs to. He needs to be set free and and just run. He needs to. He needs to to spread his wings and fly. Yes, exactly. And um, I kind of with you saying that this was not necessarily a remarkable match. Desperado is absolutely capable of putting on 
memorable memorable matches as he proved in his last uh, his last big match and it's just yeah this one just kind of fell flat for me but not i hope that doesn't ruin desperado's um push that he deserves right now mm-hmm. like it's just i think because it's a tag too like i don't think that would be held against him necessarily i mean i have no Agreed. idea how new yeah. fan works i'm talking yeah. out of my ass but like no, you're right you know it it seems like it not being remarkable doesn't feel like it's the fault of him. It just, yeah. it feels like this was kind of, I mean, I guess it was for titles, so it shouldn't feel filler, but it felt more filler. Yeah. Like I think night two had more of night two had more like down spots for me, which yeah. is why I think overall, like as a show, I preferred night one, even mm-hmm. though night two had my favorite match on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that night one had a solid beginning to end, whereas night two had some lulls, but I think night two, had the better like the highs matches. were higher but then the lows were lower yes and then exactly. also the sonata of it all just happened. oh yeah yes so it's it's you know if you judge a, a night as a whole for sure i think night one was better but if you judge it purely by its high points i think night two um mm-hmm. i i personally prefer night two over night one but that's because i'm willing to watch a you know shitty match or a less than stellar match to get to those just like literally like to get to Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Holy <laughs> cow. And uh, you know, we, when we were talking about it in the the preview, we were saying, guys, don't sleep on this match. Like, and I don't think people were necessarily were thinking it was going to be a bad match, but this one just felt kind of thrown together. And it felt like there wasn't a huge lead up to it, but you know, you almost weren't even looking forward to it because it was just in the card, but you know, they weren't getting the attention there was a lot of focus on Evil and Sonata, Okada and Osprey, and um, you know, obviously Ibushi's uh, run, um, and and Hiromu. Those were kind of the guys that were really getting the attention. And then you know, and at the very bottom of all of them was Cobb and Takagi. And I was like, this could be fireworks, guys. Like this could steal the 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 show. And I mean, holy shit! What are your thoughts? See, the nice thing about not really knowing the card beforehand, like I know you had told me the card beforehand and I promptly forgot because, (laughs) you know, like because I don't really know who many people are and I don't know the stories and stuff like it's it's hard for me to remember what's coming. So when I saw Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like (laughs) going to be amazing because I know who both of them are. Uh I remembered liking Shingo last year and Jeff Cobb, I think, is just so amazing like i don't understand how the man exists in nature and does the things that he can do like he's he's a big gentleman who can do all of the like gravity defying stuff he's basically like the actual man that gravity forgot like i know adrian neville was supposed to be the man that gravity forgot but like jeff cobb's the same he's just way bigger so it's i don't like he's he's incredible right like he is a marvel of physics like it shouldn't work that way i think the two of them work together so well like this was the epitome of big meaty men slapping meat as biggie langston would say (laughs) and i'm so here for it um they beat the shit out of each other man and did like just all of the things and everything seemed to matter it had urgency like this wasn't for anything right um it might have been for the never open weight title if i remember was it the right. never open because i don't i don't know what all the belts are either so um i couldn't remember it was for the never open weight um does okay, that so, belt matter yeah yes and no so okay this is kind of a weird deal with new japan they all there's always like there's just a shit ton of belts uh-huh. and it seems like 
they have a, a ton of belts. It's, to put in perspective, there's only like three or four matches across both nights that weren't for a title of some sort. Right. And or a contract to the title. And the reason for that, and, and some people criticize it and some people welcome it. I am okay with it. I don't love it, but I don't I think I would miss it if I if they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it's there's so many matches where they have to hide things behind tag matches to avoid having the two people like spoil their coming together. Cause like, again, new Japan is all about restraint. Right. So to elevate the idea of. They don't do the WWE thing of let's have the match before we have the match. Exactly. And so you've either got that for the title, which can, they can utilize the titles to get people to, to wrestle each other, or they can tell a big storyline to get like a blood feud going. So that's why Okada and, Will Ospreay worked uh, to because they had a big storyline behind it. But this match, Takagi and Cobb, there was really no lead into this. It was literally just straight up a, hey, I want that belt. Okay, come get it. But that belt was the the primer that led to that. So you have to have a lot of belts to keep that feeling of sport going mm-hmm. to get people interested and. The Never Open Weight title is, it's weird because I would say it's probably fourth prestigious. Um, It's always given to the guys that at that moment in time are not champion, like IWGP champion material. So Mm -hmm. guys like Ishii or uh, Suzuki, like you, you would never buy them as being best in the company, even though they are absolutely incredible workers and yeah and they're necessary right like because you need people who aren't necessarily like main event main event level talents who can still put on killer matches exactly and i think goto is another one so these are guys that like you know they're upper mid carters and or lower main event draws and you know crowd loves them it's super like Cobb does not deserve an IWGP championship, at least not not yet, maybe in the mm-hmm. future, but he's got a lot of proving to do and he's got to surpass people like Jay White, Okada, Ibushi, Tanahashi. Like there's there's six or seven people that are already ahead of him. Right. So like, and he's, he can't be an IC guy, maybe an great IC. Great Okan, obviously. <laughs> and great Okan. And you got Yano. <laughs> like, you know, um, so the never open weight title is is good for those people, and what it allows, it, so and as an open weight belt, like anybody can fight anybody for it too, right? right. Like regardless of division, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, and these so, were two very large men. <laughs> yeah, and I really loved it. So the belts are good, and I like that. There's a lot of belts. There's like tag teams. There's like. uh four-man tag team six-man tag team belts like there's a ton of belts there's a u.s there's an intercontinental there's a iwgp there's a um you know the never open weight you've got the tag titles you've got the junior tag titles like there's all these belts in new japan but they use them to give excuses for people to 
pair up versus just being like if you stripped half those titles then it'd just be like a random like draw from the hat okay who's wrestling today well because they don't they don't build the stories based on like soap opera stories as much as like some of the american companies right like correct so it's just and it's it's nice like it's nice to have those props as a reason to fight yep so i think it works for sure especially like in the company i just i couldn't remember if this was even for a belt because i didn't care yeah um because um, it was just so good. Like, this was my favorite match mm-hmm. on Wrestle Kingdom. And Great. I know that the main events were incredible and crazy and nuts. And, like, you know, it's it's very strange to me that my favorite match doesn't feature Hiromu. Because I'm <laughs> so in love with Hiromu. Right, right. But, no, like, this was just, this was everything I wanted it to be. This was everything I hoped it would be. It, it, it was amazing, right? Like, it was yes. just, it was... I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, just kind of going like, oh my goodness, these guys are so good. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they they did fantastic. And they, um, if Jay White did not put on an absolute psychological mind fuck for the main event, then uh-huh. hands down, this would be like my favorite match of the entire show. But uh, the main event, like I'm super excited because I would love to hear your take on it. But um, I agree the the spots were big. Takagi is such a perfect wrestler. Like his technique is perfect. And I felt like this was, and, and to be fair, like that's not a dig at Cobb. That's just because Cobb is a very sound wrestler and can do some amazing things as well. But just the level of like perfection that Takagi uh, executes on, it's like he, he's he's a living textbook. You know, you watch him, throw a suplex on somebody it's like wow like his foot positioning is right his he keeps his back straight he lands like exactly how you're supposed to he protects the guy like he does all the things to Mm -hmm. where almost the other guy is just there for the ride and he perfectly pitched uh to Cobb an, an amazing match and Cobb just ran with that like I love that they were both just able to elevate each other so much uh, Cobb played to his strengths. Takagi played to his strengths, and both of those just combined to put absolutely a five star classic. It was a work of art, man. Like I just, I loved this match. 100%. Loved, loved, loved. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so I believe the only match we have left to talk about are we'll talk about both um, night one and night two. Uh, let's start with night one of the main event. That was uh, Kota Ibushi taking on. Tetsuya Naito and to me um they do not really enjoy having <laughs> bodies or necks or heads specifically necks oh uh, were you terrified yes always always yeah. like as like one of the problems of being a wrestling fan who cares about humans is that like I don't like when people land on their necks because I'm like what are you doing this is not a good idea it's not you worth need it. to you need to keep being a person like you can have this match and not land on your neck and then, <laughs> right. you know, continue to be a person and do the wrestling. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, they don't really subscribe to that theory. They subscribe to the theory of like the mat is a magnet and my neck is metal and I would like to thrust my neck at the mat as often as humanly possible, more than humanly possible, because this is not good for humans. Oh, yeah. No. Well, that's the thing is, is Kota Ibushi's whole purpose of these uh main events for Wrestle Kingdom 15 was to become God. And I think the idea was he was like, I'm either going to become God or I'm going to die because I feel like he thought that he had to like shed this mortal coil 
and ascend <laughs> to the heavens. He, he had to that shed his to be spine. What he was trying to do. Yeah. He, like, he had to get he rid of his just not spine. have a spine anymore. <laughs> this match was nuts, right? Like yeah. it was nuts. And you expect, obviously, it's Ibushi versus Naito. Like it's going to be nuts. And it was nuts. Right. Uh, but you know what's what's interesting to me is I remember being like, hell yeah, Naito put on the show and Ibushi was the rightful winner and now we've got some really interesting things going into night two there being a lot of questions but the the level of storytelling that happened on night two completely overshadows everything that happened from night one in my mind Mm -hmm. like i remember glimpses of abushi being in there with naito but it's like my brain thinks back on these two matches and you know, Ibushi and Jay White dominates 95% of that filing cabinet in my brain. Well, yeah, because this was very much like, I mean, it's weird to call Ibushi Naito an appetizer, but it kind of was, right? right. Like this was this was the precursor. This was mm-hmm. the prequel. This was like, you really needed to get to the main event between Ibushi and Jay White. And and we did, and it was nuts. And it was it was masterful storytelling because like I'm I've only seen Jay White, obviously, like I basically dip into for Wrestle Kingdom and mm-hmm. I don't watch New Japan much of the rest of the year, mm-hmm. not because I don't enjoy it, but because there is so much wrestling so, that I so have to watch wrestling. on a oh weekly basis. I don't know how you do and it. And sometimes I don't know how I do it either, but it's fun. <laughs> like, I love it. I love my job, but it's just, you know, there's so much. And sometimes you want to watch something that isn't wrestling. So um, I, don't, I don't ever want to like wrestle myself out to where I begin to resent it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. If you if you watch just like too much of it and then you start to just like everything blends together into like a big pile of mush, I never want to get to that point. So I just go on like the three day Wrestle Kingdom bender and, you know, then I'm good for the year. So um, like I thought Jay White and and Ibushi, their styles are so different because Ibushi's style is I will land on my neck, as mm-hmm. we discussed. Mm-hmm. And Jay White is like so much more psychological. Right. Right. Like yeah. and he's I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously, like, I don't have the knowledge of these performers that you do. But it seemed like Jay White slowed down Ibushi enough to make it, like, a little bit less of a crazy Ibushi spectacle. Even though, like, you and I were texting back and forth and, like, counting the number of necks that Ibushi had sacrificed in the main event yeah. of night two. And I think we we started with nine. It was like, he's he's done. Like, he's gone through all nine, but yeah. he still managed to prevail. He, I think he um, was on his last one, if I remember right. I think he was think down he was. to one. And he uh, that was about the time Ibushi won. Uh-huh. So it was like, you're on your last neck, son. <laughs> Jay White was so close. He was so he was close. So close. <laughs> And but I think like he slows down Abushi enough to make the match have a little bit more weight. Like mm-hmm. I think maybe part of the reason that Abushi Naito doesn't stand out to us as much is because they're a lot more similar, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they're they're both sacrificing to the neck gods, and they're both <laughs> like gonna do more flippy stuff and like a quicker style. Mm-hmm. Whereas JY adds that like. I mean, not American because he's New Zealand, but, you know, like that more Western style wrestling psychology story stuff to his matches that I think blends really well with Ibushi being like crazy stuntman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, toward the end, it just it built to such a frenzy. It was it was the same thing in um, like Shingo and and Jeff Cobb, where even though the crowd wasn't allowed to cheer, 
they still felt frenzied for right. that match. Yes. And then it was the same for this main event, right? Like you could hear the rumbling and you could hear the, you could hear how badly they wanted to cheer. And that right. still lended an energy to it. I think yeah. that you don't get in something like, like the Thunderdome or like at Daly's place with AEW and stuff. I think there were still enough people making enough noise, even if it wasn't vocal that, I don't know. I just, it felt like it had a different energy to it. Yes, absolutely. And you know, they were, if, if night one was a sprint to the finish between Ibushi and Naito, night two was a marathon. Yeah. And you know, Jay White, you're right. He slowed him down. And that's something I really love about Jay White is he's kind of got the same, um, approach that like Okada and Shingo have. Mm-hmm. And there he's, he's nailed the basics his move set is very interesting to look at, you know, like uh, the, his Uranagi. I know I was messaging you and being like, wait for the Uranagi. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he finally hit it, it was beautiful. Yeah. And it's like it, he, he knows how to put power into these things and make things look strong and ruthless. But it's also, you know, Ibushi wants to run across the ring at 100 miles an hour and jump Niu in the face and... He wants to go do the double backflip off the top ropes. And he has this like intensity of speed and velocity. Meanwhile, uh, Jay White is this just kind of lumbering, powerful, strong presence that when he gets his hands on you, you know, you're just going to you're not going to get slapped around at 100 miles an hour. You're just going to get brutalized and Mm -hmm. you're going to take these huge, powerful slams and shots and you know, it's it's such a great stylistic matchup. And did you know that that was the longest, uh, I believe, match, not just main event. I believe it was the longest match of uh, Wrestle Kingdom history. Was it really? Yeah, at 48 minutes. It outdid wow. Kenny Omega and Okada because I believe they were at 46 minutes. Isn't that crazy? So was didn't didn't Kenny Omega and Okada have like a time limit draw so that like wasn't at Wrestle Kingdom? Correct. I believe that was at like Dominion or something like that. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's but, just, and that's crazy too because like long wrestling matches, I can watch a long wrestling match and be invested, but like usually around like thirty minutes or so, I'm like, all right, this is this is going on a bit. <laughs> um, it, this match did not feel that long, which is a testament to those two. Right. And I just remember when it did slow down, I remember being like, whoa, how long has it been? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't like, oh, God, I'm ready for this to be over. It was a wait a minute. What like where have I been? What year is it? Like, I feel like they slowed it down in exactly the right places. Like it was so well paced because it gave you time to breathe and it gave you time for everything to have weight and to have like importance behind it and it gave you a little bit of time to digest it which is it's hard to structure a match that's that long Mm -hmm. in a way that still like doesn't make you feel like you're gonna be checking your clock or whatever like I wasn't looking at what time it was when I was watching this match and for you know it being like six in the morning or something by the time it happened right it's kind of crazy that like I wasn't checking the time and I wasn't checking how long it was and I wasn't like I mean I was tired because it was like six in the morning but I wasn't like, you know, oh, I just really want to go to bed. This needs to be over. I I was on the edge of my seat. And I think mm-hmm. when there those lulls in the match did happen, that almost was like, oh, now I can catch my breath and really digest what's happening. And it made it have more weight. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And it was, I mean, if any match was going to feel like it ran on too long, it would be the longest match in Wrestle Kingdom history at the end of two nights of staying up all night watching 10 hours of wrestling mm-hmm. combined. You would And think- like, I would watch this match again, like hands down. I don't know how long Sonata versus Evil was, but it felt like 12 years. And <laughs> right. like, this one did not feel like 12 years. Absolutely. And if I remember right, was that was that the match right before this one? No, um, because Sonata and Evil happened and then Hiromu and then, came out. Yeah, Hiromu. Yeah, because so. I remember thinking, thank goodness my beautiful baby boy is here because, <laughs> oh us. boy, was I in a mood. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, like, I just it, it's, it's such a crazy contrast. You know, we were talking about the ups and downs. There wasn't really a terrible match on night one. Sonata and Evil was was very not good match. Uh-huh. And, you know, so then you have that super low. And then Hiromu was, you know, just the first course of what was going to be to me, honestly. And this is I've had a, a, a week to sit down and ponder this. But that was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my entire life. It was great. Like, it, it was incredible. And the, it was just the psychology of it. And like there's there's the subtleties were there and you saw the slow change of arrogance and cockiness and self-confidence just slowly drain out of jay white because he couldn't get it done and then when he didn't get it done i thought his his acting after the match was brilliant too right like when the camera work was was great when like he was reaching for the belts on Mm -hmm. the ground Mm -hmm. and the officials were like no no they're not yours you did not win and he just he couldn't fathom this right like he just couldn't fathom that he didn't win and then he was like grabbing for abushi's hair just to be like what do you mean that i didn't win i'm jay white i am supposed to be the winner um And, and he wasn't. And it was it was devastating to him. Right. And then he cut that incredible promo where oh he was like, gosh. I'm done. OK, so did you listen to that whole promo? Um, yes. Oh. I, well, no, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I saw parts of it. So um, I highly suggest just sitting down and carving out 10 minutes to listen to it beginning to end because it is a psychological masterpiece of portraying a broken man who was the most arrogant, cocky son of a bitch in New Japan. And somehow he makes you feel sympathy for him. And he, you know, I've always, especially as being a heel in the past, um, there are sometimes you just do heel shit because you're a bad guy. And -hmm. it's almost like the comic book villain kind of style, like where, or the Holly, I guess the Hollywood style of villain where you're just a bad guy because you're a bad guy. Mm -hmm. But I'm just evil. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I kick kittens because they're, you know, I because I'm not nice. Because I like to cause destruction. <laughs> right. I want to watch the world burn. Right. But Switchblade in his promo as a broken man was like, oh, we get it. Like, we understand why he's such a piece of shit. Like, he's not just a piece of shit because he has to be the bad guy in the situation. Like, there's an actual thought process here. Like when it's rooted in insecurity and like psychological nature, that's so much more interesting, right? Yeah. And like he was just angry because he was like, I've put so much into this. I have dedicated the last eight years of my life to wrestling and this was my time and nobody was here for me. Mm -hmm. Nobody was here at my side to help me. You all left me. None of you believed in me. None of you care about me now. I'm just a nobody and it's all y'all's fault. And for him to like 
And, and, and you hear it and you're just like, whoa, like this is a believable bad guy. This is mm-hmm. a believable like person who an hour ago walked into the ring and said he didn't give a fuck about anybody. All he cared about was getting those belts and he was going to destroy Abushi with ease because he did it three times before. And now this is somebody who understands what loneliness is, what failure is, what coming up short is and not an ounce of, you know, self-respect left or respect from anybody else. And I think he's sitting there realizing that his heel antics and his piece of shit attitude, um, left him out by himself at mm-hmm. his lowest of the low. And just what a, what a, that's a beautiful story, right? Like it's a beautiful tragedy. Right. And it's like, it's, we're talking like Thanos levels of, you know, psychology that are going into why they do certain things and yeah. what those things have led them to and the reflection on it and the understanding of, you know, Thanos at the end of Avengers was not happy. Like Mm-mm. he, he had to do something that was, he, he succeeded, but it, the whole thing was like at what cost, you know? But he never reveled in it, which I think makes Thanos such an interesting villain too, right? right? Like he doesn't revel in what he has to do. He just feels like it's his calling. Right. And so like it's, it's complex. It's again, it's not just, I want to watch the world burn. Wah, ha, ha. It's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm doing this for the good of humanity. It's twisted logic. Like I don't agree with it, but he has reasoning behind it. And same thing with Jay White here. Like he has reasoning behind everything that he's doing. And plus he, like he had some delusions of grandeur, right? Like he, he thought that he was going to be clearly far and away better. It turns out he wasn't far and away better. And that's kind of like, he has to examine himself and say like, am I as good as I thought I was? Am I not as good as I thought I was? Am like, what's my place here? What yeah. do I do now? Is because the belts were the most important. Yeah, is it worth it? Because the belts were the most important thing to him, obviously. And he doesn't have them. And there's nothing he can do to change that. So where do you go from there? Yeah. And all of this, he is a 28-year-old pro wrestler that is in the conversation right now. He main evented uh, Wrestle Kingdom. He has been previous IWGP heavyweight champion. He has been U.S. champion. I don't think he's been intercontinental champion. Um, And he is, I mean, at 28 years old, he has accomplished more. And we're talking about actual Jay White right now. Um, Mm -hmm. He has accomplished more than most wrestlers will ever accomplish in their lifetime. And what what an amazing thing for us to just get to sit back and watch. Like, what's this guy going to do in five years time? Like, yeah, it's crazy. When he, he's not even in his prime yet. At 28 years old, your body is still developing. I think you hit your prime at what, 32, 33? I think I don't know. I mean, I'm 36 and I feel like I'm breaking down already. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you get like three or four years in your mid 30s, early to mid 30s, where you're just your body's at peak performance. It hasn't started slowing down yet. And like that's he's 10 years away from that. Like he's going to be so good because he's already so good. And like, he's going to be so good. He's so good. And you forget how old he is. Like Mm -hmm. Ibushi is what? 38, something like that. Something like like that. Yeah. So where he's, he's going to slowly start declining and you know, he'll, well, and he like keeps landing on his neck. He'll he'll stop. You know, he'll not be able to look left or right. He won't be able to change, you know? 
it's it's gonna be he's gonna become suzuki where he has to turn his whole body just yeah (laughs) check left and right but man i i am on cloud nine because a lot of people didn't 100 percent buy into jay white um Mm -hmm. they didn't see the potential that i saw in him and i I know a lot of people that still really don't like jay white like they think that he's boring they think that he's dull they think that he's just over pushed yeah um because when he became iwgp champion that was i mean it was kind of out of nowhere right yeah um and i think that that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way but i mean he's so good oh yeah yeah and this he continues and the whole run up to this has been great too i mean i you know how much i love kenny omega I, I am do. absolutely seeing flashes of Kenny Omega in Jay White. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you see the same the same progression here. You see him going from, you know, young lion in the way that I think he was a young lion. Um, <clears throat> Kenny was a junior. So beyond that, everything is kind of the same here. You see him constantly, you know, chasing after these belts and getting close and not all the way. He 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 won the belt, but we all kind of know that that was just a fluke. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of a blip, right? Like it wasn't a long reign, so. Right. And you see him like destroying, you know, basically anybody that's outside of the top three or four in the company. And so, you know, he's like upper echelon, like one of the best in the company. But there was, you know, he puts on great match after great match, but he, you know, is really waiting for that just that spectacle of a match the one that really is his like coming out party well this was that and now it's just the sky's the limit for this guy he he's kind of broken through that that barrier of being like is jay white like gonna be the future or not he's 100 the future now and i i talk so much about jay white because ibushi's great ibushi does what ibushi does we all knew if ibushi was gonna win how it was gonna be Mm-hmm. And we knew how he was going to respond. He was going to be happy. He was going to, you know, just be a typical baby face. He was going to be the John Cena kind of scenario here. Um, and he he did he even did the breaking, like he did the like he unleashed the beast. He went like, you know, full like demon mode for a couple times in this match. But Jay White, I shower with praise because he has instantly become the most interesting person in not just New Japan, but maybe all of pro wrestling right now. But isn't it interesting that we're talking about Jay White being the most interesting person and he lost? Exactly. Like, that's great storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So and where does he go from here? Is he mm-hmm. is he going to fall out of the top of the you know title contention run? Is he going to be kind of where Okada is right now, where people know Okada's good and they know he's like still one of the best wrestlers in the world, but they're not even thinking about putting a title back on him? No, like he's he's doing other things right now. Right. And he doesn't he doesn't always need to be in the title scene, right? Right. And like, is Jay White just going to be unhinged? Because like, I mean, I don't know what his contract status is. I know WWE is like wanting him and AEW and AEW. They're both wanting him. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how that pans out. Because obviously, in you know, in storyline and whatnot, he's like, I quit. I'm done. I'm not going to be here anymore and we don't know what jay white is gonna do like we don't know where he's gonna end up i think him ending up in AEW and having a confrontation with kenny omega or something could be really interesting right yeah man so and i i have my theory that new japan and AEW are gonna start teaming up um they they ousted the old ceo uh harold mage because he um 
was not willing to bridge that. So they brought in Harold because he was a he was a guy gene. I think he's from like the Netherlands, though. Uh-huh. And the whole idea was he was going to help with the Western expansion and have make New Japan more relatable to American audiences. What better way to do that than teaming with the elite? Like how sure. how would he like what world is he living on where he thinks that burning that bridge is supposed to help New Japan? And I mean, I understand the hurt feelings there. Like obviously right. wrestling politics are wrestling politics. Oh, yeah. And I understand why, you know, New Japan was pretty salty about mm-hmm. the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega leaving and starting their own company and um, it basically capitalizing on the fame that New Japan gave them and then, you know, them leaving because of disagreements and stuff. Like I understand the hurt feelings there, but at the same time, there is so much money to be made. Right. And that went both ways too. So, you know, in the same way that the elite were hurt, I mean, or in the same way that New Japan was hurt, the elite were also hurt by less than stellar contracts. They left the door open for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've all been in, you know, careers and jobs or whatever where you feel underappreciated. And, you know, they were, they showed what their potential was and the, the missed capitalization that New Japan approached them with. And I think that the best way to sort all this out now is not to be enemies, but to be, be friends in this situation and, and elevate each other. AEW can, especially with AEW, the way they're really bringing everyone together. What put AEW on the spot all in? Like, yeah, it was, I mean, all in with the first, it's, it's strange. I was just talking about this the other night. Um, all in wasn't, obviously an AEW show because AEW didn't exist, but all in was the catalyst for AEW to happen. Like it was basically that night when they were like, we did sell out the Sears center. We did this like as an independent show, like I was at all in. And that's like one of the, one of my favorite shows I've ever attended live because it just felt like such a moment in history. And like, I was part of it, you know, like I was at the biggest independent wrestling show that they've put on. Like it wasn't a big company behind it. It was like those dudes decided to, show Meltzer what was what and you know like and it was a friendly bet obviously but it was just kind of like we can do it like we think we can and they they obviously used New Japan talent on that show um I think New Japan's feelings were kind of hurt they were like you know we let our talent participate in this thing and then you went and did this and all yada 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 but like all in was crazy it was this extravaganza of all these promotions coming together and that's what made it so special right like the nwa title was on that show and then like i got to see okada rest alive it was so cool right um and it was it was incredible like it had something for everybody it was a variety show it was well paced it was awesome and if we can get more interpromotional cooperation like that then i think that would be brilliant because at the end of the day wrestling is what wins and if you're impact, if you're ROH, we all know that WWE is not going to participate. There's like no question about that, but WWE lives in its own little eco bubble, you know, like if they're going to have any sort of invasion or interpromotional cooperation, that's going to be within their own bubble. Like they're going to have NXT work with SmackDown or something, you know, because they like to, they like to orchestrate everything. That's why they have NXT UK. That's why they're, you know, opening the NXT India. Um, They want to own the world. But if the rest of the world out with WWE can work together and produce some really cool moments, we're seeing it with AEW and Impact right now, right? Like right. that kind of stuff is really fun. Like having a Bullet Club reunion at the end of AEW oh last gosh. week. Was, that was pretty neat. 
Oh my gosh. So yeah. So like all that was the Wrestle Kingdom moment I needed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that was, instead. <laughs> yeah, that was more like New Japan than New Japan put on for, for Wrestle Kingdom. But you're right. Like if we all work together, wrestling and the fans win. And that's what's going to propel wrestling into the, you know, new new decade uh, is working together, not at each other's throats all the time. And I hope that New Japan they I hope they fired Mage because he didn't do that. And I hope that they this new guy understands the value of working together. And I mean, hell, I watched Impact for the first time in ever, maybe the other day yeah. because Kenny Omega was just supposed to be on it. Like, of course I was gonna watch it, you know? Yeah, no, I mean this has obviously been great for Impact. And I think that, you know, having a new Japan presence in AEW would probably, you know, it would it would help New Japan because it would help expose them to more Western audiences. Like I know New Japan World has been really helpful with that. Um, they've been able to get a lot more like English speaking viewers that way. Uh, but I mean, having them on one of the national television programs in America it can only do good things for their exposure. Well, and who wouldn't want to be watching AEW and the lights go out and then you hear Okada's coin drop? Be and incredible. Then, I mean, who I mean, I would wouldn't want that? Because every time the lights go out, I think it's Kane. Like, <laughs> That's some weird, like, uh, what is it, Pavlovian psychology, it's like, so drilled strange. in your head? You know how on AEW recently, like, the lights have been going out and then Darby Allen will appear, yeah. like, Sting will appear yeah. every time. Like, is it Kane? Of course it's not <laughs> Kane. He's being a mayor in Tennessee. <laughs> I just always think it's Kane. <laughs> That's so funny. Until one day, like, I mean, the fire shoots out from the ring, right? That's his thing. Uh-huh. Dude, you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. No. And like <laughs> when it is Kane, because Kane will just, Kane will always be around, you know, oh, like yeah. Kane will always come back. He came back for the Undertaker's little like farewell weird deal. Um, in, in full regalia, by the way. Here, because why not? <laughs> People were oh, like, was there supposed to be a match? Like or who no. forgot to tell Kane not to show up? <laughs> just he's being Kane. He didn't want to be Mayor Glenn that night. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. Well, I mean, I've I have had a great conversation here. Is there anything else you wanted to to put a bow on top of this um, in this incredible two nights of wrestling and a, a not so incredible third night of wrestling? <laughs> not so incredible third night. Yeah, Nunez dash was like it didn't feel so much like a dash as like a jaunt. I remember um, telling you that I said with the lack of all the crazy things that like didn't happen in Wrestle Kingdom, I said. New Year's Dash needs to be a circus. So it, it is, was not. It, it was, was the not. opposite. Very much the opposite of that. Like it was fine, but I struggle to recall really anything that happened at New Year's Dash, which is, you know, that's fine. They're not setting up new shows. They right. just, they had to just put something on. Um, but no, no, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for letting me, I guess, not be an expert, but still talk about the wrestling it's just it's fun to kind of dip into a promotion once a year because it's like i get introduced to new characters and i don't have to like i'm not as embedded in it i guess so i can just kind of like watch it and be a wrestling fan which is fun so i i've enjoyed it and i've enjoyed this chat absolutely thank you so much for coming out here and maybe one day i'll figure out how to get two microphones and uh you know a discord running or you just come out here and see me and kelbert and uh we'll put on a, a another podcast like this. It's been a while. Oh, I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to have to come and see you guys like relatively soon. Oh, hell yes. I think that needs to happen. It's been a while since we've had an external person on the podcast. Anyways, it's been me and Callan just kind of heading it up for the last probably 10 episodes. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to, to put this one out. And I think uh, our viewers are going to like the, us changing it up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit different. Awesome. Do you want to plug yourself one more time before we uh, get out of here? I'm always happy to plug myself. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sandra Ruth ITR. Follow me on Instagram at Sandra Ruth. If you want to follow Inside the Ropes, the company that I work with, it's at Inside underscore the ropes on both Twitter and Instagram. And I write for Inside the Ropes magazine. I don't have an article in issue five just because like with the awards and stuff, it got really full. But um, most months I'm writing for Inside the Ropes magazine and you can order that at InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. Um, otherwise, just subscribe to Inside the Ropes wherever you get your podcasts or go to itrwrestling.com as our website. So our, our podcasts are on there. I host Queen Street Posse and then I am also on just Inside the Ropes podcast every Thursday. So yeah, check it out. Subscribe, like, let me know, get in touch, do all the things. Awesome. When are you going to write about your favorite panda wrestler? Uh, I really should, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> See if my editor goes for it. <laughs> I think you should just slide then, it like, in if anyways. I have to a favorite, like I'm going to pit you and Kellen against each other. Maybe you have to wrestle for my affection. Maybe oh. maybe once Elote starts up, that'll be the match. Blasphemy. <laughs> I could never. That's the one thing we've we've stuck to is is Yeah, you Osito. guys have to wrestle each other as pandas. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh that'll never change. No nobody will ever break our bond. <laughs> just don't tell the booker that cuz he'll totally make you do that. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh that's true I, I just shot myself in the foot there didn't i <laughs> i won't tell him don't worry <laughs> not, like, not like when i accidentally ended your streak <laughs> my, my goldberg-esque streak of a yeah. <laughs> awesome well it, uh, if you guys want to follow me on uh instagram it's proxima bear p-r-o-x-i-m-a underscore b-e-a-r please slide into my dms uh make sure you guys follow sandra um uh, check out Mundo. I was to check out Lucha Mundo. So Lucha Mundo is a new web series that we're launching. It's on YouTube and it, we also have an Instagram. So we'll update through Instagram and host the videos on YouTube and it's fun. It's going to be episodic. It's going to be cinematic. There's storytelling matches, there's wrestling matches, and it's all outside the ring. So there I've seen some of it and it's so much fun. Obviously episode one is available on YouTube now, but like there's more to come and it's so good. Yeah, we have four episodes filmed right now. So uh, this is a real thing. It is going to be uh, released sporadically so we don't overwhelm ourselves. Uh, but this is going to be, uh, we're all super excited and uh, who knows? Maybe Sandra will make a, a, a guest appearance or something on it. I feel like I might have to do a wee cameo at some point. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sandra, thank you so much for making time for us. I know we said this was going to be a quick one and we're two and a, almost two and a half hours into this. So yeah, Have you met us? It wasn't going to be quick, but it was fun. <laughs> it was worth it. It was a lot of wrestling to talk about. Well, and thanks for your, I, I love your opinion on this stuff. And, you know, we, we all just love wrestling and I love how wrestling brings us all together. So thank wrestling you so much. Wrestling fuck Sonata. <laughs> yeah, fuck Sonata. And on that, we're out. You guys take care. Bye. Bye.